God. How do we feel about that? (laughs) That felt great to me. Cool. Uh, All right. We want to feel good. How are we doing? Uh, What's up? I'm I'm like, I'm, dude, I'm vibing right now. I'm (laughs) sitting outside. I've got a little rum and coke for myself. I just kicked the table, so you probably have heard that. Um, I am podcasting from the patio. I am patio casting right now. It's Sunday evening. The vibes are immaculate. How is everyone else? <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm feeling extremely hoisted by my own petard because last night I was like, okay, I need to go to, I have to get up at 7.30 for my shift tomorrow and I am going to push the boundaries of this. I'm going to stay up till like 12.30 and then I started talking sure. to one of my friends about uh, just about Pokemon and they mentioned that their favorite <laughs> bug type Pokemon was Galvantula and I was like, I gotta make one of those tier lists that's like, you know, this is my favorite Pokemon of each type. And I did that. Um, Five hours got... later. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, got, I was in bed at 1.30, so like I still would have had six hours. And then my body woke me, and then I was like, you know what, this sucks, but I'll get six hours of sleep. I probably nodded off around like two. And then around 5 a.m., my body was like, you sure? You sure you're... you're... I, I think you're Girl. done sleeping, actually. Girl. <laughs> my, I swear to I tried so hard to fall back asleep, my body just would not fucking have it. No, I just I flit... I just like was I just was like on and off like never asleep for more than like two minutes at a time, uh from then until my alarm went off at seven thirty. Fucking hell! Yeah, and then I worked and then I worked eight hours of coffee job. Um, yeah, I I got McDonald I got McDonald's on the way in, which is I'm ashamed because that makes it six of the last seven days I've had McDonald's or not McDonald's fast food of some variety. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I it's I've, fucking I've, tough out here. I've I've been yeah. there. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, as for me, um, this week's been a bit of a mixed bag. Um, sure. I, my my podcast arm that holds my podcast microphone, um, broke. It had a little bit of a malfunction, so I bought a new one. And then when mm. the then when the new one came, I took the old one, did a little bit of uh, uh, MacGyvering to it, and I turned it into what I can only describe as an overhead cell phone holder. So <laughs> so now when I'm laying in bed, my cell phone is gonna be floating above me, so that way I can <laughs> lay comfortably on my back and watch things on YouTube um, uh, while I'm trying to fall asleep uh, to much to, to no avail. That is some genius level shit for sure, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so my 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 microphone arm broke, but I got a new one, and also I used the old one to um, make going to bed just that much more enticing. Not that it needs to be <laughs> any more than it already is. Well, sure, but hey, it never helps. It never hurts. Rather, rather. Um, yeah. The last time I had to go in for a seven thirty a.m. Shift. I'm not sure that's when mm. your shift started, but um, I, the last time I had to get up for 7:30 for anything, um, I remember uh, I I worked a shift at Walmart, and normally they started at eight, but this time for some reason it started at 7:30, mm. and I stayed up until 2 a.m. the night yeah. before, yeah. and then I thought, and I did the same thing where I fell asleep and then I woke up again at five, and I was like, well, shit, I can't go back to sleep, so I literally. Took a shower, got dressed, got ready, went to work, um, snuck in through the back uh, door at work, found the like employee like first aid room off mm. of the restroom, off of the uh, the 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 break room, and literally laid on the bed there and <laughs> and slept until seven thirty. <laughs> 
That is just some genius level shit, though, for real. Like, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was. It was my. I, it was my own personal Walmart sleep experiment. It reminds me of so my my roommate used to work in a movie theater. Like she worked at it for like three four years. Uh, the same one, um, and to, she got to like manager status there and everything. Uh, and she talks constantly about the little holes that people would hide away in, either to have sex or to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> the only two things that we as human beings truly desire. Yeah. Yeah, because oh my god, it's because it's it's the movie theater and the school that uh, uh, the the neighborhood that um or uh, town that uh, uh her and I both grew up in and went uh, to high school in. So it was a bunch of high schoolers who also worked at this movie theater. So you know the most horny population of people ever. You know, uh, they'll figure out they'll figure out where exactly <laughs> it's safe to fuck <laughs> and not get caught by management. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No. They, they have a sleeping spot, they have a fucking spot, and they have a smoking <laughs> spot. Yeah, and boy, did they ever have a smoking spot. Yes. <laughs> those locations those locations, plus an eating spot were the four places I existed in in my in my second two years of college. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've never worked at this movie theater, but I have smoked weed outside of the back of it where, the, like, all the employees smoke weed. <laughs> Beautiful. With, with with them yeah absolutely it's a it's a i mean this is not what they mean when they talk about worker solidarity but it's not not what they mean you know <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> oh man yeah but uh it's it's uh it's a it's a lovely sunday evening here the sun is um shining on me as it slowly sets um uh and uh in addition to that it's Schlocktober. It's Schlocktober. And we watched a movie. Still. Shall we, shall we, still, shall we intro the episode? Let's! Let's! <laughs> Fear baiting everyone, it's your number one into the storm podcast. Uh, I'm Sarah. <laughs> I'm Blair. <laughs> and we're joining us. We have a returning guest, returning champion, John. Hello. The three Pete. It's me. Yes. The three time, three time, three time fear baiting podcast guest. Oh, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I was thinking about this on my ride home today. Um, how, John, have We've been on a podcast together, you and I. We have never been on a podcast I, together. I, However, I, I you did you did edit my first appearance. Uh, I did, yes, yes. And I remember you sending back notes through Sarah that I had immaculate vibes, and I've carried that with me <laughs> in my heart since that uh, since that episode was recorded. No, no, truly, and I, and I stand by that um, because I, I remember 
Yeah, because because I couldn't remember because I think I'd added both both of your previous um, uh, appearances on this show. So I yeah, because it was I was John, there with you. You were on for <laughs> Blood Quantum, and um, I always forget what the last movie you were on for, John. What was it? Possessor. Possessor. Oh, right. Yes. 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 Um. But yeah, God, no. I fucked. was just. Uh, I was like, oh my god. Uh, I don't know. You're just, yeah. Uh, incredible vibes. I'm so excited to have you on for this episode, especially with the movie you've provided for us. Um, I'm just, uh, uh, yes, just so delighted. Just so delighted. Um, because I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for a better offering from you, uh, uh, this, this week because, uh, we had, uh, 1990, no, yeah, 1988's Q. Which was 1982. I thought 1982. 1982. You're so correct. I don't. 1982. 1980, 1982. Yeah. Q. Q's. Uh, uh, one. Is, <laughs> Haruki Murakami's one Q82. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I don't even know how to just begin to describe this movie. It's like a. It's like a crime. It's like a New York crime th- thriller that's about Quetzalcoatl. 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 Yes, it's. It a, feels very much like um, what's that? What's that one Arnold movie where David Byrne plays Lucifer? Or I don't. It, I don't think it's David Byrne. Who is it? Um. Oh, that that's um. Oh, uh, last no, Arnold and Devil. You would know, but yeah, you would know. Y'all would know better than I would. I have end of no, days. End of end days. Yes, yes, yes. It feels a little bit like that in that it's like. Like, just, just like, I, I I don't know. I'm always a sucker for a story when, like, I, I'm always a sucker for a story where it's just, like, where, I don't know, like, I, not cops, really, but, like, regular average Joe's getting roped into this kind of shit. Yeah. Which you is, know, like, um, uh, uh, a cab. Say- <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, just, just, just so that, um, when I'm watching this in the future, I stop screaming at my screen. Um, uh, the, the role of the devil in End of Days was played by Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne, Gabe not David Byrne. Byrne. Yeah. One of the yeah. Burns. Of course, of course, yes. I was like, it's so interesting that Talking Heads did acting. Um, uh, <laughs> What's well, funny you say um, that, Blair? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was going to say, um, like, ACAB, of course, right? Gen- mm-hmm. Like, largely speaking. But there's something about a detective movie, you know? Especially... Something yeah. like this, which is like, so it's it's set in 1982 or like released in 1982. It's set um, in 1982 as well. They yes, they, of they, course. they 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 drop the year uh the in in the dialogue of the film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as we know about decades, they don't actually start to feel like themselves until about five years into them. So it felt like very much like a 70s crime movie, like 70s cop movie, like detectives on the beat, like putting their hands on their hips and sighing and like, oh, we've got another one, boys, you know, uh, with their big lapels and shit. <laughs> I, think, I think the funniest part of this, the funniest part of that to me is like, maybe like the 10 minute mark or something when David Carradine is like talking to his 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 cop partner and he's like, tell me we got a normal one. And the guy's like, sorry, no can't do, David. He's like, fuck, God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's like another, another, um, uh, skin case and then uh, like they're like right next to a body of water they show this body that's like bloated and cut open with like a perfect like surgeon simulator like yes. like rib cage poking out yes. it's just yes. like ah shit <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah but, but there's 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 you know cause 
at least for myself, you know. There's there's a lot there's like, there's two there's two points I want to bring up about Q sure. after you're done your point, uh, Blair. Sure, sure. I, I was just gonna say like there's something about like a detective movie or like a cop movie. It's, it's like this that's like so trashy and like uh 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 like almost like like sort of like cynically bureaucratic that feels like well at least you're honest about the situation that you're in and that way it's like invigorating. <laughs> Right, right. It's uh, it's it's yeah. It's definitely like regular regular Joe blows getting into getting into shenanigans with possibly a god. Sure. Who, kno- who knows? Who knows? It's right. really unclear the extent to which Quetzalcoatl plays in like the extent to which Quetzalcoatl is a factor in this movie mm. is ancillary almost. There's yeah yeah. There's two things I want to mention. Yeah yeah. Please please. So the film is ta- the film takes place in New York, yeah. And the second thing is like New York City, at least from from my impression from films. Um, everyone in this movie speaks mm-hmm. to each other like they fucking hate each other. Oh God, yeah. No, nobody likes anyone. <laughs> There's something about <laughs> I like like, and as far as I know, there is a article online that you can read called "An Oral History of the Making of Q: The Winged Serpent." Mm. Um and I we'll and find I, that link it in the notes, yeah. Yeah, I would recommend it because it's it features uh, insights from David Carradine who plays uh Shepherd, um mm. uh, Richard Roundtree who plays Detective Powell. Um mm-hmm. they even get the guy who plays um uh 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 the the sort of um police commissioner, his name is Malachi McCourt, and of course the lead actor, Michael Moriarty, who if there are any law and order heads out there, Michael Moriarty played the executive attorney general in the mm. first four years of law and order from 90 to mm. 94. Yeah. He has strong TV actor vibes. I, I actually really loved him in this. <laughs> yeah. It, it took a while for me to come around on him, but I really liked the, I really liked the effort that he was putting into all of his scenes. He seemed, he seemed really pathetic in a fun way. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, I also want to say that this episode will uh, be a bit on the stranger side as far as structure goes, because um, I, twice during the watching of this movie, I somehow found the hotkey to just close my notes app without <laughs> saving. Um, so I don't have any notes for this movie. Hey, it's all good. John watched it twice. I unfortunately failed to do as much, um, but I do remember it fairly well, so... I think um, it'll be okay. And also, this movie is is ridiculous. So there's it really is absurd. There's um yeah. there's not really a whole lot that can be gleaned from it. The movie is ninety minutes long, and it can be found on yes. YouTube. So yeah. um you know if if yeah. if anything that we say in, intrigues you, do go ch- ch- seek it out on your own. More than a lot of movies we've watched for Slocktober, do I recommend people check this out because it feels very. It's like so classic. B movie to me, you know. Yeah, this movie, yeah. this movie uh, is going to find itself, I think, in a lot of people's like um, underrated eighties films. Even, even though like horror fans, like you know, think of themselves as like appreciators of the unappreciated. I think, in particular, Q uh, is going to. It's a blind spot. Yeah, yeah it, it is a blind spot on a lot of people's um, on a lot of people's sites and. Larry Cohen, the director of this movie, he also did um, the stuff which was covered on on Fear Bay. Yes, yes, um, yes. And also, um, 
he directed It's Alive and It Lives Again. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, he also um, screen wrote um, Phone Booth, um, the Joel mm. Schumacher film. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Larry Cohen got his start by basically directing a ton of exploitation films in the 70s. Oh, sure. that- Yes, yes. And, and you he, can feel you can really feel that in this one, I would say. For sure. And he and you can tell that he has a real fondness for that kind of like detective or police procedural mm-hmm. genre, and I think that that's I think that that's beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah. It is you know, I I always it is it is a part of me that like loves the underdog, you know, that champions those who go about and schlock as their main sort of uh, artistic vehicle, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- it's the reason why I, I do still have a fun... I mean, James Wan is a is a, a ridiculously, like, like rich schlock producer, but there's he's never produced a film that was not schlocky, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and I think that um, um, even um, someone like Peter Jackson... You, oh sure, yeah. Of you course. get to, or or Guillermo del Toro. You you have a sense mm. that like they have an appreciation for the the pictures that they that they liked watching growing up, and also yes, made yes. in their early career. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's it's it like simplifies things. You know, you you can be high minded, but not too high minded. You know, or or be grounded while still being uh, imaginative. You know exactly exactly yeah, so yeah. uh we should get into it then um yeah, let's, i let's. just I, I i i it's only just now sinking in with me how ridiculous it is that the that they were able to just like so freely use the chrysler building <laughs> oh that the, oh that there's 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 a lot about that in the um in, in the, the production uh, section of the wikipedia in the in. in the in the article, oh, the article that I, yeah the oral history article they like um mm-hmm. larry talks about how they offered the chrysler building like they they just kept coming back to the chrysler building the reason why q even exists at all is because larry cohen got fired on the last movie he was making he was <laughs> oh, making sure. a he was making a movie called I, the Jury. He was directing mm. it originally, but then uh, he got fired because the producers literally ran out of money. And uh, and Larry was going to all of the people who were in production um, in like the actual like camera operating department and was like, listen, if you want to get paid, you better get paid now because this, mo- this movie's running out of money fast. The producers <laughs> found out about that and then they fired him. And so he was trying up. To... The, fun, the funds are very quickly liquidating. You need to get out. Yeah, Dude, yeah. Basically, I mean, he's a king for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That no, that's worker solidarity for sure. Nothing Absolutely. but res- nothing but respect for nothing yeah. but respect for Mr. Cohen. And yeah. so after he got fired from either jury, he he thought, you know, the Empire State Building has a monster. But I mm. like the Chrysler building way more. And that mm-hmm. needs its own monster. And so that's when this movie was starting to come together in his head. And then mm. um, he wrote the script. Uh, and then they started making it. And the only actor they flew out for the show, for the for the, the, for the, for the filming, was Richard Roundtree, who was based in L.A. at the time. And well, yeah, so, yeah. everyone um, else from David sense. Carradine to... Um, Oh, what's her face? Um, Candy Clark to Michael Moore. Mm-hmm. All of them were like New York actors. So they yeah, were local. And, and, so, yeah. A lot of it does feel like local talent, especially with the um, extras in there. It was like, oh, my God, you were so like in the theater circuit. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have John and also Shaft. 
Yeah, we have well, John. I mean, that was, he was the one who was flown in. Yeah, but yeah. But oh yeah, he yeah. was. We have we have like John Capadice who plays one of yep. the mobsters, and he's mm-hmm. like in West Wing, Six Feet Under, CSI. He was in mm-hmm. um, Law and Order again. He was in uh, Spencer for Hire, Will and Grace too, which was sure. Weird. And he was also in Moonlighting, which actually brings us to another point. This movie was uh, was going to have possibly Bruce Willis in it. Um, oh my god! But that as who do you know? As the lead character, as as Jim. Michael Moriarty. No, I'm. So, I love Bruce Willis, but no, that would not do anything. That would be. You. Know, I think it would have worked. You know, I think that it would have just been a different movie. You know, I just it would have been a different. But the thing is that like Michael Moriarty needs to be pathetic and suck ass, and I think I that think, like. I think Bruce Willis can do pathetic. I think he I, this was very I, early in his would, career, Bruce Willis. It would have sure. been, yeah. It mm, true, been yeah, yeah. This is this is this is God. How how old would he have? How old would he have been at the time? I mean, of this? he'd be Bruce very baby faced. That would be for sure. Yeah, yeah. Bruce yeah, Willis is I'm, Bruce Willis is sixty six. So this was uh, this movie was like forty years ago. So he would have been twenty six. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know what? I don't think it would have affected his career trajectory at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because no. this this was three years before Moonlighting too. Yeah. This was like. He could have uh, done both easily. <laughs> it's 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 really funny. Um, Larry t- tells a story about when he um, he he actually brought in Bruce Willis to audition for the lead role in I the Jury, mm. and even though the 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 position the the role had already gone to somebody else, he still wanted to see Bruce Willis audition. And uh, then yeah. Bruce auditioned, and he and he said, "Well, we can't give you the part, but I think you're really talented, and I think you're going to be a star." Bruce Willis comes back to him years later and says, hey, do you remember this? Do you remember me? Do you remember this? And he, and Larry goes, no, I don't know who you are. And then oh, some, dear. And then someone tells him that's Bruce Willis from Moonlighting. And he's like, oh. And then, and then. And now he's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and so, uh, so yeah, this movie was going to have Bruce Willis in it, which is a funny connection between Moonlighting and. It's so crazy. And some of the actors of this movie. But yeah, it feels like a very. Almost like um, the kind of movie that couldn't really get made anymore without a, a huge fuss being made about um, permits and stuff. Like you said, th- the word Gonzo while we were watching it, and I was like, "Oh, a hundred percent, yeah, absolutely." <laughs> There's there are scenes when, um, particularly when Jimmy Quinn, the lead the lead uh, character, when he's running through the streets of New York, and we see like um barbecue stands we see people singing on the street we see kids running around mm-hmm. and and i'm just thinking you know you couldn't it's a very this. crowded new york yeah 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 the only other times i ever see new york this crowded um these days is like when people are taking video on their cell phone or whatever totally and it, absolutely yeah yeah but speaking yeah, of yeah. speaking of the chrysler uh, speaking of uh buildings in new york uh, the film opens on a, of all things, a window a cleaner, a man. Uh, yes. 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 <laughs> a, hor- a very horny man cleaning windows. <laughs> yeah. Very much like a, like a, like a, like a character straight out of a silent movie, just like washing this window. And this woman who has the most pair of shoes I've ever seen in an <laughs> office, like yes. she, she, she's like, sort of like mumbling to herself, like how many times do you got to clean that window? She picks up the phone and she's calling, I think her friend, but it could also be like a coworker. And she's talking about how he's been that the window washer has been back there several times. And she says, I wish you could just take a walk because she she's really annoyed at all the squeaking sounds. 
Mm-hmm. And we cut to like exterior shots and he, and like the window washer is like singing to himself too. He's very much like a like a like a weaselly horn dog for this yes. woman. Uh, but his right, he's he's doing the he's doing the Tex Avery eyes. He's wolf whistling. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's taking him out and smashing his own head with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he smashes, Stre- stretching his lips like three inches in front of his face to say "awuga." <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, and uh, but it doesn't last very long. His horniness does not last too much longer because we cut to a very abrupt close-in zoom of the man from above and we hear and see talons and then uh we cut to um in from inside the office looking outside the window we see the headless (laughs) stumped neck of the window washer um and uh to which the uh, the woman in the office you know screams horribly and that's basically it that's that's our first ever minute of uh, we're like I think like five minutes into the movie after the opening this credits. This movie moves so fast. A thing that yeah. I really respect about this movie is that every once in a while, it's just like, you know what? I don't think we've done it. I don't think we've had it. Like, I just wish that movies had this just like a, just like a, a like a regular release valve of like, let's just kill a guy. Like, yeah. not really relevant to the story in any way, shape, or form. Like, it's just like, it's okay. It's a man to kill him. Yes. Introduce. Yeah. Literally just be like, okay, hi, this is, it's like, this is um. Greg, he's have, dying. Have, have y'all seen the, uh, have y'all seen the, the John Boys uh, 24 video? The, I, no, the, I haven't. I haven't. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, it's it's the, every character. Every character. Every once in a while, they just go to Jaws, and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> just just introduce Jaws to kill him immediately." Yeah, basically. <laughs> just uh, yeah. Uh, what a what a miserable show Twenty Four is. But oh god. Uh, yeah. So um, like politically and also like emotionally. Yeah, and I think that there's uh, this movie is really interesting because it there's a lot of like. There's a lot of um, themes happening in the movie mm. that I want to mm. talk about later, but yeah, I, I have a, I have thoughts about Twenty Four in this movie. But um, interesting. interesting, we 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 cut to our 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 main character, our 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 one of our lead characters, David Carradine, who is playing. Um, he's playing Detective Shepard. Shep- Shepard, yes, yes, yeah. And he meets up with Richard Roundtree, who's playing uh, Sergeant Powell, and Powell yes. and Shepard have a discussion about. You know, this guy, he was window washing, he got his head chopped off, what the hell happened? Um, Richard says, what do you think happened? And and Shepard says, I think maybe something got loose and or... Uh, and Like and a piece of broken glass or whatever, yeah. Came, it just came down and sheared his head clean off. Mm-hmm. Um, and and <laughs> Richard says, uh-uh-uh, uh, uh, ding, Cinemason's ding, Um <laughs> There's no broken windows above him. <laughs> to which, yeah. uh, to which Detective Shepard throws responds, his hands up. Yeah, <laughs> he says, "Oh shit." Yeah. So Maybe funny. his head came loose. I don't know. What do you want from me? That's literally the line that he gives. It's, yeah, it's just I, like I, so I contempt, that... so much contempt in his voice for this, for being dinged. I, <laughs> Like this, this movie wanted to be so buddy cop, but wasn't because it had to tell a different story. Um, right, like I, every, I, I every like David David Carradine spends so much time on his own that every time like Shaft shows up yeah, and reminds yeah, yeah, me yeah. that he's that well, he, and I'm like, oh shit, Shaft is here. Yeah, but also like, I, man, when whenever they're the thing is, uh, uh, Richard Roundtree uh, is a delight to Richard see always. Like I'm not complaining, but I mean they both are right. Right, right. Words, but um, uh. 
I just like constant like now now in this retrospective aspect of it, I'm like, man, I wish they those two like interacted way more than they ended up interacting because I feel like there's actually chemistry there that was not exploited as much as it should have been, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm of two minds of it. I think that sure. maybe maybe there is there there is a version of the script that existed where Powell and Shepard are more um buddy buddy but there's a scene Mm. later in a diner where powell shows up and he's kind of treated by the the by by shepherd and also by more uh quinn as like a nuisance and so it Mm. almost like they transfer the buddy relationship to quinn and shepherd rather than shepherd and powell um it's true yeah yeah uh there's there's one more thing about this scene so the window washer's head is completely missing um yes. and so there so there's a bit of a mystery as to a how his head came off mm-hmm. and b just did where that. that is mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and then so yeah we cut to after after we realize that that thread's kind of um after we've lit that uh particular fuse we go to another mm-hmm. bomb where at a restaurant a, pe- a, a the skull of a something or other is being sliced open with a meat cleaver uh, mm. And we're getting a shot of um, four mobsters and our lead actor, our lead character, Jimmy Quinn. Uh, yes. They're talking about having. It's, it's a very Reservoir Dogsy scene. Yeah, except way less talking about uh, <laughs> about Madonna songs. Instead of talking yeah. about. <laughs> instead of talking about Madonna songs and what they may or may not mean. Um, yes. Uh, they're instead talking about uh, this job that's going to be happening, um, this diamond heist job. They're doing the GTA Five setup, and they want to <laughs> go. They want to go in quiet, but also armed. And so yes. Jimmy Quinn, this uh, uh, this guy who's been to prison, he's um, kind of like a little Weasley guy. He's very, yeah. he very yeah. much looks terrible. He just he just kind of looks bad. <laughs> um, he's like he's like skinny. He's like too skinny for a forty-five-year-old or whatever, you he's, know. He's got the wildest, like, like, um, like hairline. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And no. Yeah. Weasel is the best way to describe him. Once you yeah. said that, I was like, oh, that's the adjective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so um. Uh, you know, they're having a discussion about this diamond heist that they're going to do right in the middle of this restaurant, which I thought was kind of weird, was just like nice OPSEC guys. Like, (laughs) no wonder things go to shit later. Yeah, Um, God. (laughs) But Quinn, he's like, he's trying to be a hotshot and like, you know, tell these mobsters what's what. And what he says is, I don't go in and I don't, I'm just the driver and I don't Mm -hmm. carry a piece. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, everybody in the mob's like, okay, whatever, buddy. Uh, we're not going to give you 20% because that's because you're basically nobody. We're going to give you 12.5% because that's what you're worth because you're nothing to us, basically. And so Quinn's like, yeah, you got You got Like, the thing is, you got to give the driver an equal cut. Like, th- like what if you don't give the driver an equal cut, like, what's stopping him from just fucking skirting out of there? Like, you're being like, yeah, we'll give you 10 bucks for this. Just like he goes in and he just, you go, you go in to rob the, be- the, the the bank and he just floors it out of there. Yeah, like labor yeah. rights politics transposed onto mob activity. Absolutely. Like you need <laughs> right. like like the wheelman is the one I would most want to make sure is getting what he considers a fair shake. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And 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 you know Ryan Gosling's character from Driver would not would not stand for any of this no. bullshit. No. Um. 
so and so so yeah they 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 we we leave them at the at the um we we leave them at the restaurant and we cut to a a a hotel room where a maid walks into a room uh she and she does a horrible gut-wrenching scream and then we quick cut to the bed which in which we see perfect immaculate clean white sheets and one flayed gentleman on top of them yes oh my god like, I, I say so, flayed, but he looks like he's been crisp. Burned alive. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the same exact thing. Um, but I will say, like, broadly speaking, the practical effects in these move- in this movie is, like, I don't know. I found him to be rather impressive, you know? Right. Like, I'm, I'm not, like... All the like, corpses like, looked great, you know? Like, I yeah, mean, like, they, no, they, one's they, out, no one's out here getting fooled by what they did to show the, the you know, cue, but fucking uh the but i would say even the dragon i mean it's just so it's i don't know it's so david and the goliath you know about it or whatever yeah 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 that's that's exactly what it is fuck nail on the head jason and the argonauts for sure oh jason and the argonauts is what i meant yes absolutely thank you John, <laughs> for knowing exactly what i was reaching for um but yeah no i mean i love like the second I saw that sort of like skinless corpse on the bed, I was like, okay, so it looks like a charred body and not a skinned body, but it still looks dope as fuck. For sure, for sure. And not a and 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 so um we cut to um uh one of the busboys looking over the shoulder mm. of one of the, uh, one of the detectives and we learn about this man. Um we learn that he is a professor. We learn mm. that he um mentioned to the busboy that he was going to a museum nearby and uh and that he bought an issue of Q magazine. Ah it's, that little detail is so silly and crazy and it never comes up again. Absolutely not. And also I don't know what kind of Q magazine they're referring to because there is a Q magazine that I think existed. I don't think it exists anymore. It was it was a music magazine in in the UK. And yeah. I and and but I do not remember a Q magazine. Maybe it was a nineteen eighty two thing, but also maybe it was maybe. just a like a make sure that uh you know, this is a little treat for everybody who's actually paying attention to the dialogue in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, uh, I mean, GQ is the only one I can think of that would be even remotely similar to that. That would actually be ubiquitous, you know? <laughs> right, right. And almost, right, and, yeah. and, I, and I believe contemporaneous to the time as well. So it wouldn't mm-hmm, have been mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they're calling their shot or anything. So, yeah, right. we, we, uh, we, we sort of, um, Powell is in the room and he makes, he like tells the other detectives, hey, we found a headless body on a skyscraper. Isn't that weird? But also, there's no real connection. It's just like things are weird. Things weird things are happening in the city. And it seems then, to be like there's there's this idea that maybe it's a serial killer. You know? Mercury's in retrograde. Whatever mm. you know, all of, mm. all of the things are happening. Mm. And then we and then we cut to the vi- the vibes are just fucked. <laughs> the vibes are beyond rancid at this like, party. Y- you know you know how you know how in Pokemon when you use Trick Room the the game messages the 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 vi- like. <laughs> The battlefield became weird. Sarah meant to say psychic terrain here, not trick room. <laughs> like that, that's that's what happens. New York became weird. Did be- it did become weird. Yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting to think that New York is uh, a bit of a place where you know maybe the 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 fabric of reality is at its most thinnest. Like honestly, 
If I may. Of all the plates that are, of all the places in the, at least as far as the United States goes, of all the places that would be like secretly a hell mouth or something, I think New York City gotta be up there. Or yeah. LA, you know. But yeah, may, yeah, yeah. The most ex- the experience that, yeah, one of the experiences I had in New York that was similar to that, like, vibe. Um, so at one point I had to walk through tri- Times Square to get to Point Port Authority um, to bus upstate. Um, and this was in the evening in the like winterish time um and so it was completely dark out there was here's the thing so it's like the brightest lights ever like like neon signs of course it's exactly what you think times square looks like you know mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. neon signs like all, like the entirety of of everything is neon signs like giant ads people everywhere not a single fucking star in the sky it felt like i was in like a dome you know, like it was like I was in a New York City theme park is what it felt like. Total disconnect from reality. Um, New York City sometimes is a quantum space. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, what we refer to as a hyper real space. Uh, fucking honest. Yeah. Yeah. Most of New York is not like that. Uh, Times Square is 100 percent like that. If if New York is 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 some sort of like mouth to a hell dimension, it's at least very expensive to live there. So I won't be going. <laughs> so it's not going to be opening up under my feet anytime soon. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to uh, speaking of mouths, we cut to some of the uh, one of the best shots in the movie. Uh, there's a lot of aerial shots in the movie, and they all signify one thing: it's feeding time. Uh, oh yeah, we we I cut to it. we cut to a woman, an aerial shot, beautiful top down shot of a woman walking um, along the roof of this skyscraper, um, uh, this really tall building, and oh, yeah. she uh, she's on like this like golf green like texture thing, but she yeah. she finds a chair and she sits down, she takes her top off, uh, and then we cut to uh, time traveling Alan Resnick, I guess. Uh, this this guy, <laughs> this uh, this uh, this uh, this pervert, sort of like looking at uh, at her. Yeah, yeah, he's looking. Yeah. Through, he's looking through his like his like fucking telescope. Like. But it's like a steampunk telescope. It's really right. fucked, yeah. fucked up looking. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously supposed to be like an artiste, you know. He's there's a, a poet. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a scene where um we we close up right on the areola, and it's like there's no <laughs> there's no vignette on the shot, so we're meant mm. to think that like this is like from his perspective, but also because there's no vignette, it just kind of looks like the cameraman was just like, uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna point the camera here and then. Make sure that you put the vignette over there so it doesn't look weird, and then okay, pull back. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, the, maybe the cameraman's just an areola's guy. <laughs> Perhaps. And, and who, and who among us, right? Oh, truly, <laughs> right? truly, truly. Uh, and so, uh, but aerial shots give us cues, perspective. Aerial areolas are areolas are like the drummers of nipples. Explain. <laughs> or I guess the, they're the drummers of boobs. Explain. Explain. Like. <laughs> They're the rhythm section it's, of the boob. It's like such a core thing, but sure. like, it, so like it, y- it's exactly you, what I it's just thing, said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like you don't. I feel like it's not a thing. Like unless you're like really looking for it, it's something you super notice. But if it was not there, you would notice the shit out of it. <laughs> um, I, I've never yeah. seen an areola. I've never seen an areola less nipple. I will say. 
You know what? Yeah, and you're kind of off put when you do see one. <laughs> For sure. And and so we uh we we have we have from the areola to the areole shot. Um mm. we ha- we see the perspective of Q as <laughs> uh she's flying around uh above and then we get a horrible scream close up zoom just like uh the uh the window washer and then we see um the 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 the, the open beak of Q chomp down on this woman and leave the uh the sunbather's chair completely empty. Uh, and this yeah. is when we get that this is when we get that fucking sick scene of like uh it like flying over New York with her body, right? Yes. And 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 I that, and not only do we see that, we see reaction shots from people on yes, the ground. Yes. I love this so much because the people on the ground are just like they just randomly get like like just some blo- just like some red paint thrown at them just and then they react. Bit, just a little bit. They get like, yeah, because, you know, it's dropping it's dropping from however many thousand feet in the sky and just landing on them from this woman that's being carried off by this winged serpent. And it, they're just it's I love this scene. This scene fucking rules. The best it part really about the scene is the fashion of all of the people who are walking by. I know. And it seems like it's shot on like a different grade film than the rest of like the, the shots because it's really grainy looking and it looks like um news camera footage that you would see like mm. on TV. And we see uh, a lot of different people, but I picked out two extras who, uh, of note, um, a look, a man who looks like Charles Manson crossing the road, <laughs> yes, and yes. a and a Paul McCartney circa nineteen seventy eight lookalike, and everybody who reacts to having this little bit of blood dropped on them, like reacts. Paul is dead. <laughs> Everyone who gets blood dropped on them reacts naturally, but the worst ADR I've ever heard in a movie is played over them reacting, and it's like yes. it's really, really funny. <laughs> like, like I, like I almost want to splice in like the random bits of nonsense that people yell to try and give the the scene some sound or something. Oh shit! Oh look! What is this? And then, uh, and then we cut to uh, Quinn uh, entering a bar. Now, this scene... yes, this scene is the yes. fucking funniest thing in the world. Please, John, go ahead. So, yeah, so, hit us with this. So, so Quinn uh, enters a bar, and he looks, um, he looks uh, over to the left, and he sees a woman um, who's like wiping down some tables, and it's somebody who obviously is signaling to him that he know that she knows him. And he walks up to the bartender, and the bartender says, hey, we don't open until 6 p.m. And Jimmy says, yeah, I know that, but, uh, you know, I heard you were looking for a pianist, and I'm a bit of a player, um, and I can play on Mondays and Tuesday nights. So uh, uh, why don't you hear what I say? Why don't you you give me a shot? And then the guy's like, where'd you hear that we were looking for a pianist? And then Jimmy, like, looks over at the woman again, who we later learn her name is Joan. Um, yes. And then he says, oh, I just heard it. And so the bartender's like, oh, fine, whatever. And so he um, walks uh, Jimmy over to the piano and says, go for it. And just don't hurt the piano. Just don't just don't damage anything. Mm-hmm. Jimmy then sits at the piano. And for the next 
two minutes. He plays what I could only describe as bad jazz on the piano. Yeah. <laughs> his, ja- his, ja- to- his jazz is all about the notes that you do play. Unfortunately, it is It is that way. It, and, and, and I've learned something quite tragic, is that um, the, the song that Jimmy plays is a song that was written for the movie by Michael Moriarty. Oh no, sweetheart! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. and and so it's bad scatting. It's got really right, bad scatting, and and like John Lark, John, Scatman John Larkin, he is not. <laughs> no, 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 he's out no. of tune. He's yeah, it's, and, it's rough and tumble. I mean, and it's not terrible, is the thing, you know, but it's bad. <laughs> you see, you see, that's the thing, right? Is that is that he is he's really he's so bad that you kind of want to let him dig himself into a hole a little bit and then like maybe he'll you know redeem himself eventually but yeah doesn't. maybe it'll get so bad that it's good and then yeah uh, the bartender absolutely fucking evis like ethers uh jimmy quinn by walking over to his own jukebox putting his own quarter in the machine and playing so a rock funny. song I love this. It's such a it's this this whole day, this whole interaction is so funny to me because it feels so naturalistic, you know. Um, right, right. Yeah, it really does, you know. Uh, because uh, and and, and especially with his exit, because uh, uh, we have Jimmy Quinn. That's mean like oh well, all right, you know, taking it in stride as much, you know, still with a chip on his shoulder, and the bartender is like, yeah, that's all right, that's all right. Uh, and uh, Jimmy like exiting. And um, uh, uh, Shep- uh, Detective Shepard is there. He's like, I thought it sounded all right. Jimmy's like, what the fuck do you know as he exits, you know? <laughs> yeah, and Jim Carrey's like, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> I don't know. This whole scene feels very naturalistic. It, like, is almost mumblecore. Right. Very much so. I, like, when I first saw the movie, I legitimately thought that uh, the, the bit where um, Jimmy passes Detective Shepard who's already sat down and ordered a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I even though they were, they're, they're only supposed to open as six, so I'm not sure why he's there anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, maybe, 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 maybe it was like 5.55 when Jimmy walked in and the bartender's a real stickler. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. We, we've all Probably. been there. Sure, um, but uh, listen, I will. I will, listen as, as God is my witness. I, if if the coffee stand opens at seven, I will not fucking serve you a drink at six fifty nine. Keep I'm, waiting. Wait in line for sixty more seconds. I know you have it in you. I'm putting yes. my sore foot down now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, and so I legitimately thought when well, the first time I saw this movie that when um when uh, Jimmy says. What the fuck do you know? I legitimately thought it was like not in the script because it was just so jarring. The mm-hmm. the contempt that Jimmy has for mm-hmm. for everybody around him. It almost felt I... like a real moment. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh so after the the failed audition, you know, you know, what can you what can you say? You know, uh, sometimes you win some, you lose some. Uh, we cut to Quinn in the driver's seat outside of a diamond shop called Neil Diamonds. It's, I like could I like repeatedly lost my mind while I was watching. Like I not not Neil Diamonds. Diamonds. It, yeah, it is not Neil's Diamonds. It's diamonds. It's Neil Diamonds. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Yes, it's fabulous. <laughs> this, movie, this movie rules. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when when Quinn is in the driver's seat, um, uh, the uh, one of the mob guys behind him hands a hands him a bag with a revolver in it, and he says, "Why are you giving me a piece? I don't go inside." And then the to which the mobster replies, um, "If you want an equal pay, you have to take an equal risk. So you're coming in with us." And Quinn's like, mm. "Oh fuck yeah, whatever." And then he <laughs> he says, "Is this gun loaded? I could shoot my balls off." Uh, yeah, I just love this this entire interaction. Remember, so in, remember in Scary Movie 4 when uh, that guy does, or is it Scary Movie 3? I can't remember which one has that. You would, but... you would, I mean, I was certainly on for one of those, right? But, uh, yeah. probably the only, three, I would assume. The only movie, unfortunately, where someone shoots themselves in the balls is, uh, 8 Mile, that I know. <laughs> uh, one of, one of, one of, one of, one of Rabbit's friends, who, a guy who looks suspiciously like Flea, but I can never remember his actual name. Um, has a pistol on him and shoots, and he actually shoots himself in the leg. I love that you've seen Eight Mile. I love it. I've seen it many times. I'm I love kinda, that. <laughs> and you know, and I didn't see them unironically. I legitimately I was know, a I huge. I was legitimately a huge Eminem fan. Oh yeah, you would not be my only close friend. I mean, you're not. I would not call you a close friend. Which is not me saying you need to keep distance from me. It's just like me not assuming that I know you very well. No, I get it. I like Eminem. Uh, it's fine. I'm just kidding. It's fine. No, 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 no. Uh, listen, listen. Blair simply cannot condone you feeling the ve- the adrenaline momentum when they when you get hit with the venom. I have other Eminem friends, is what I'm saying. I have. So you I, are not the only one. I'm. I'm. I'm what. I, I'm what many would would describe themselves as like a lapsed Eminem fan. Like yes, when yeah. I was when I was like 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 13 14 15 16 like like oh of yeah course. for sure oh, and like god john what john when are we going to get your noise space debut podcast where you're just doing a song by song review of Eminem's entire discography you know uh i think um <laughs> i think when i want when i i think that's that's not what you enter the podcast game on as your solo project that's like what you no. leave out on I, yeah and, and, and listen, so yeah. well i mean li- listen listen for comparison's sake the shrieking shack both of them entered the podcasting game on the on the the turf books yeah 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 you, it, like you said you said lapsed fan and that immediately triggered the shrieking shack note in my brain yeah for yeah and, and you know like and i and i was a kid who like sought out unreleased Eminem songs and then oh, yeah. like created a list uh, like a playlist in iTunes and burned it to a CD and I listened to like early versions of this of his debut album like I like all that is still in my brain it, oh, yeah. and and it will never leave and you unfortunately. can't deny that part of yourself yeah 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 it's 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 sad <laughs> even though even though I think I've become a better person since I was 13 years old I I would agree no <laughs> have we not at all you know become better persons than we were since I mean that's oh, God. in life right I'm to a become be- a better person than you were when you were 13 <laughs> I'm a better person but I'm also that person plus a great number of years. <laughs> fair, exactly. Fair, fair. <laughs> um so yeah, so so Quinn, you know, reluctantly leaves and does not shoot himself in the balls. Um he leaves the card, he goes into Neil Diamonds. This scene um, is so funny. This scene is just fucking you like totally this is Mr. It too, Sarah. Yeah. 
This is Mr. Bean shit. Yeah. We, we never see the interior of, of, of the diamond store. We I just get it. like these quick panning shots of the worst looking wedding bands I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yes. And and uh and then we hear a little bit of an argument, like one sided argument, and then we hear it doesn't, uh, it, yeah, and it doesn't even matter what it's supposed to be about or what hear, it is, because the, the, the point is that uh now Jimmy Quinn is running out of the store with a briefcase and he and he's left his keys or they took his keys they took they his still, keys yes mm-hmm. and um he just has this gun and he's like i can't get to my car they have my keys um i have this briefcase i'm gonna throw it across the street and just run away into a different fucking no, neighborhood it's even worse than that blair he he runs out of the diamond store alone he's carrying a bag that we presume to have diamonds in it he while he runs into traffic and gets hit by a cab, which That's then right. causes him to throw his his yes. briefcase full of diamonds underneath oh. a semi truck, and then presumably due to the magic of a TV editing, his his bag completely disappears. Yeah, he's discombobulated he just didn't even look for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's he's discombobulated from taking um from taking force damage from the from the taxi, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. he uh and he looks around and he's like, "Where's my fucking bag?" And and he uh, he's uh, people walk up to him and speak Spanish at him, and he's just mm. like ignores them. He's in runs he's runs down this. Chi- yeah, he's both in Chinatown and also like in the sort of like. Both uh, 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 Russian speaking English district, uh, Russian speaking district, and the, the sort of Spanish speaking district. Like, there's just no no English speakers around him at all. Whatsoever. Yeah, he then he then runs down the street, and this is what I described as like the Gonzo shot, where mm. we're getting scenes of Quinn running down the street and using a payphone, mm. and uh, it's so far away and so zoomed in. For sure, and 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 we're getting pretty good ADR. Although yeah, my suspicion yeah. is that if it's not ADR, that someone is nearby recording him. Maybe um, a mic in the phone booth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah. But and either way, it's it's a it's a great uh, shot of like a bunch of New Yorkers just kind of doing whatever they want. It I feels- love this. I really do love it. Like I love how like I I, I don't know. It's it's so lively. You know. I I mean. I, I like permits or whatever, you know. I I love those sort of like city shots that are especially of this era that are just like masses of people just authentically existing in the world, you know. For sure, there's um there's a YouTube video series called Only in New York that I watch, mm. and it's literally just compilations of clips of things that people see when they're either driving or walking down the street in New York, and it could be anything mm. from like a Spider Man cosplayer. Uh, riding a bike, uh, like very cool in a very cool way, or just like um, people performing um, on the subway, uh, or mm-hmm. you know, just anything, any number of things. And it feels like great city. Yeah. when you're when you're in New York, it feels like you're always in a movie. So people just oh, kind of yeah. take it all as normal. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so yeah, there's that. But um, yeah. So uh, Quinn realizes that he's fucked so he walks over to a, a phone booth that he calls his lawyer and says um i'm coming over don't leave just like stay there and then he hitches a ride uh via cab to the chrysler building where he tries to enter his lawyer's office and sets off an alarm oh uh, yeah and this is where we actually get into the intrigue of the movie oh yes <laughs> this is when we when 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 two great when two great 
paths collide where yes. uh Quinn um trying to outrun the alarm that he sets off in the Chrysler building um takes the elevator to the very top floor and then tries to hide in the needle of the Chrysler building. The Chrysler building has like this like formation that like enters into like a uh, like the tip of a cone. And so he goes into that cone and takes two uh, ladders up to try and um, get away from the 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 watchman. Who mm-hmm. I gotta say, the watchman in this movie who guards the Chrysler, um, like sort of like upper levels, is one of the most god awful watchmen I've ever seen in my life. Because he <laughs> he like he like walks up, he like takes, uh, he like goes into where. Um, there's the first level with the first ladder that goes up into the needle point itself. He gets up to that that level, walks around a little bit, and says, "Ah, fuck it, I I, I don't care that much," and just walks away. Mm-hmm. Quinn, uh, I I would like to just apologize for being so damn quiet for the last ten or so minutes. Um, my dad has decided to mow the lawn directly outside my window. I cannot uh, hear so- it. Uh, yeah. It's showing up. It is showing up. It is extremely showing up on my waveforms. I regret to inform you. No worries. No worries. No worries. Um, continue. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So Quinn takes two ladders up there, up into the the Chrysler Building needle, and when he gets to the top of the second ladder, he finds first he finds a a perfectly clean skeleton with a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. single metal bracelet, um, or like a like a charm That's bracelet right. on the wrist. Yep. And he finds the biggest fucking egg that anyone yeah. has ever seen. It's like bigger than your like imagine a dinosaur egg in your head. It's like bigger than that. Yeah, it it's like it's like if I if I curled up into a ball and I told you that I was that like 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 and then like you like built an eggshell around my body, that's what it would look like. It was it's it's yeah. huge. It's it's the square footage of a uh, uh, ironically uh, a New York City studio apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, yes, that's not inaccurate. And so Quinn sees this and he's like, "What the fuck is this egg? What is it? What is everything?" And he makes a very funny comment when he looks out of um, this like um, opening in the Chrysler building, like like cone he says mm-hmm. i've been afraid i'm afraid of most things but i have never been afraid of heights which I like weird I, fle- I do love that yeah weird flex but okay sure sure but it's a nice <laughs> the, character the definition of weird flex but okay yeah. yeah and so um uh we we cut from uh jimmy quinn's discovery of the egg to the mother of said egg Q, we, 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 we have an establishing shot of a construction site <laughs> and it's just about lunchtime. So all of the, so the foreman on the job is saying, you know, ah, yeah, everybody go downstairs and have your lunch, whatever. And then there's this worker who says, Hey, who got into my lunchbox? <laughs> to which, to which the foreman responds, what are you looking at me for? I didn't get into your lunchbox. It's you're, you're always coming at me for and um the the worker says it's been the third week that's the third lunchbox in a week i'm sick of it if i if i if it happens again i'm going to stick the thermos up each of your asses ah uh-huh. i so i love this actor so much because he's so he's so new york city theater kid he has know? he has a he has a discernible uh lisp yeah, he's 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 so flamboyant. He's so. Is I mean, he um you know the fact theater that major? He's, he's, yeah, the fact, I mean, 
like he's he's the one who actually who eventually gets fucked off by Quetzalcoatl. Um, and uh, what happens after the fact is, uh, I mean, guys who didn't even notice were like, you know, I I, I better stup like stoop his wife or whatever, you know. Oh um, no, yeah. So the the best part is is that um, the guy who's eating his sandwich is the foreman. So yeah. he was so he was right the whole time. The ah! foreman says this uh his wife uh so and so's wife makes a damn fine tuna sandwich. I'm yeah, going to have to go yeah, over to her yeah. house and tell her myself one day. Yeah, and yeah, and they yeah. they haven't even noticed that he's dead. They haven't even yeah, noticed. Yeah, this is this is a sandwich of a dead man. Fucking psycho. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. Um uh I, th- yeah. I believe the next scene after this is when they're doing the walkthrough of this sort of uh, Native American museum. Yes. Oh, yes. So, so, so back to so what we learned about the um, the man who was found dead in the hotel room was that he bought an issue of Q magazine and he also went to the museum. Uh, this particular museum called um, the American um, uh, Studies Museum, I believe. Mm. And so uh, Detective Shepard, uh, David Carradine, is there, and he's speaking to the curator. And the curator has this very weird way of speaking about um, about these, like, sort of, like, uh, beliefs that he thinks uh, the Aztecs had and mm. about, like, the, the prevalence of um, of human sacrifice among the Aztecs. And it's a very, like, it's definitely, like, listening to a white guy talk about Native um beliefs it always kind of right. like sets me on edge but there's yeah, a particular quality about the way this guy speaks when he mentions that oh it's not murder when a man is humanly sacrificed it's suicide because he's giving his blood his flesh willingly so you see you're wrong detective it's not murder it's not my fault that he died, you know. It, it, you feel like it's going to be like a, like a reveal where like this guy, oh, this guy's definitely the murderer. Um, and so, you know, um, Shepard's having, uh, asking all these questions and he's like, you know, maybe I'll take some of these books, uh, on Quetzalcoatl off your hands because I'm looking for something to read before I go to sleep. And, uh, just like as they're walking, they're walking through what I can only describe as like a tour of stolen artifacts. Yeah. And, and not even the correct stolen artifacts, you know, it's like, not even like it only becomes like vaguely Aztec later in the movie. These, yes, I mean, like yeah. solidly great plans we're working we, with. Yeah, we're, we're getting great. <laughs> we're getting we're getting Cree stuff. We're getting um, Haida stuff. We're getting mm-hmm. a little bit of woodland stuff too. Like it's definitely mm-hmm. like a, like a like a like a mod podge of mm-hmm. quote unquote American Indian like like uh, like artifacts. I've, I mean, it would be the museum that would make sense to exist within New York City. You know, like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> for sure. But right. the but right. the idea like that they're you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it it definitely does kind of like remind me about how many. It, re- it just reminds me uh, of how many artifacts are still locked up in like really high profile museums all over, not just America but in Europe as well. Internationally, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very crazy to think about. Um, yeah, even like. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember when I was recently thinking about it because I haven't been to a, like a museum with recent memory at all. Um, but uh, oh, why is that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> just didn't feel uh, like I do, it. 
Yeah, but I do like going to them, of course, because I do like art, of course. Right. Um, big, big art slut over here. Right, right. But, uh, uh, and who but among is, us? Right, but it does have that extra complication of it where it's like, man, this doesn't belong to you. You have no reason to have it. And yet you do. Why the fuck? I don't want, like, I, the thing is, I don't need the authentic version of it. Like, have a screen print, I'd be just as happy, you know? Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Or and, and, and what I've seen in the past is, like, modern renditions of artwork done by actually indigenous artists you know and right, it's like right right of course and i've and you know i think we've we've come so far in like ar and vr technology that like mm. you know repatriating like um totem poles for example which are disappearing yeah. at a huge rate uh, out west yeah. you know repatriating them and then having like alternate reality versions of them where they right. used to sit in museums like yeah. you know that feels like it would be like and even more reasonable than what exists now um and sometimes right. it's not even just artwork sometimes it's actual cultural artifacts like um I've, of course of course and, yeah and i feel like there's there's of course there's real value in actually like physically experience for for anyone to actually feel for oh, anyone Blair, for any you, culture you know what i mean but it's like Blair, jumping back like, just a second oh, oh sorry go on sorry no but, but but all i mean to say is uh the the people who who created those should be the ones who are presenting them, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it would only make sense for that to be the case, because it's not as if we're operating with dead cultures here at right. all. Yeah. Right. Not even remotely. Um, um, also, Blair, if I may hazard a guess as to why you'd been thinking about museums lately, was it perchance in the, the newest TikTok bone stealer? I've not. I Let me tell you, I go out of my way to avoid TikTok trends. <laughs> It, it might not have been TikTok. Actually, no. I think this was. I think this person was like on Twitter. Sure. Um. We we don't have to. We don't have to get into it. But just like someone who was like throwing a shit fit because like some, like there had been something passed into law that like you know, Native American remains were ordered to like oh, be that, removed yes. from private collections. I remember thinking about that. Um. I remember thinking about that because it's like, if you're. If you're in academia, I have to assume you're smart at least a little bit. So you have to. You have you have some form of critical thinking that you have clearly applied at some point in your life. Press so X to doubt. Like respectfully, press X to doubt. I mean, but the thing is, I like think about this concept. I don't even have a fucking master's or a PhD, and yet I'm able to conceptualize these things. What is fucking stopping them? Is it the liberalism? Of course, it's the liberalism. It's like, the liberalism. It. It's the racism. Uh -huh. It's but, the white supremacy. Like, I mean, yeah. yes, yeah, but like, I'm a white person. I can get over it. There's, it, at, so like when I'm like like that, it's like you have no fucking excuse. Like, and of course they don't, right? Hmm. But like, it's it's it, we can't even talk about like general ignorance. It's like, okay, general ignorance if you're not in academia whatsoever. But if you're actually actively learning about things, you have to at least have encountered the inverse narrative of what you're trying to promote and have then justified why it's incorrect in which case that makes you an evil person you know right right it, yeah, it's, yeah yeah Ugh, intelligence is crazy. no substitute for morality that's that's no, my experience. i know i know but it should like it like you should like it should be it should like knowing better should be like oh i will change my behaviors in order to operate within what i've recently learned and what makes me crazy just about society is that it doesn't operate like that and i'm like how do i communicate with them? 
yeah. Anyway, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm not, not commu- the first person to say this. <laughs> the way we communicate is by redacted. Yeah. Shit. True. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Um, <sighs> where will we leave off? Okay, so... Uh, so, so <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> no, no, it's a good tangent. Um, yeah, good discussion. I like I liked this stuff. Yeah, Shepard uh, leaves the... Um, he leaves the, uh, the the building, and then we cut to Shepard later, actually doing what he said that he was going to do, which was read the books that the curator gave him <laughs> on Quetzalcoatl, like like uh, before he goes to sleep. He's like in his like uh, his like house coat, and he's like just like reading um, these like really I I could only imagine horrendously racist uh, oh, God, textbooks, and he. He's using a Polaroid of the flayed man as a bookmark, and I'm I like, love that. dude. <laughs> I dude. mean, it's dark, but it's like, <laughs> uh, and he's with this woman who we never see again, and no. she and she says, "Oh, you're gonna have, you're gonna give me nightmares if you keep reading that." And then he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, sure." And then he like leaves the book open on the bed. She looks at the the pictures, and she's like do you think that this could ever exist? And he says, it's not been the first time that a monster has been confused for a god. I'm like, oh. she, she, holds, she holds this up and becomes a, a mid-aughts sidebar uh, ad that says, has science gone too far? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then to end the scene, um, uh, David Carradine squawks at this woman and then they start making out. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, the women, so this i mean this movie has a race problem but it has a woman problem as well to it oh yeah there's the, the, yeah we're gonna get to that here so so quinn speaking um returns to his partner's house the woman who he sort of like nodded at at the bar she's mm. his girlfriend they're not married mm. yet um but uh he's like obviously in really bad shape because he just found this giant egg he um fucked up this diamond heist really 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 bad and mm. he knows excuse me he it's, knows god i i know we already talked about the diamond heist but i just cannot stop thinking about how comically he fucked it yeah and we don't like, even see what he did it's just so it, it's just it, it was fucked up from the start basically like he he fucking like i just I, I need to i need to emphasize the fact that he walks in there with his two compatriots then he walks out alone with a briefcase full of diamonds and does not have the keys anymore yeah yeah, it's. I'm sorry. I, I just this has been this has been all I can think about in regards to this movie. It's just such a funny scene. It's mm. so it's so fucked, and so he's been having a really fucked up day. Yeah, he, he walks in and he's like really snippy at her. He's like, she's like, oh, uh, she's like, oh, but first she doesn't really know what's going on. She's like, I hope that the job interview went good, and he's like, yeah, and then he's she's like, uh, did you? Uh, well, so, well, how did it go? And he's like, there was no job interview. And she says, well, I hope you... And he just yells, shut up at her. He just like... Sh- he just he just yells, shut up. Could you... Uh, shut up and could you... I think get me some ice or something. He... He also has the sweatiest, darkest pits I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like the shirt that he's wearing, like the, like the, like the button-up shirt that he's wearing, has literal like soot underneath his arm underneath his arms it's fucking awful to look at um what else um let's see uh so he he starts having like this really weird like 
like fucking episode where he just keeps like talking about how things got fucked up and what he saw and he's like limping around her apartment and he's he he says something really fucked up he says i want to cry but i haven't cried since i was a little boy um and she's like oh it's okay to cry it's it's okay to cry and he's like no i'm not supposed to cry i'm a man wait i don't know what i'm supposed to be everything just went to shit everything i touch just turns to shit He's living a. He's having a great. He's having a great day. Yeah. He then um. <laughs> he then like tries to sit on her couch, and for some reason his ass hurts. So he like tries to sit down, bounces up like a spring, and then lands on his side, on the on the couch, and buries his face in a pillow and just starts crying. Yeah, he goes full. He goes full. Uh, Paul Giamatti, adult baby from Signs mode. Yeah, yeah. Turns into a total cartoon. Turns into a fucking spring, and just like bounces up and starts crying and then uh he starts like quoting his own song he's because because the song that he wrote is called evil dreams he's like whoa i had an evil dream it's like nick cage levels of fucking acting like but like nick cage now (laughs) you know what i mean like like i'm imagining this movie and vampire's kiss happening at the same time oh my god yeah (laughs) just just nick cage walking through the streets of new york moaning and groaning oh yeah oh yeah a hundred percent oh my god and so you know he he the the scene ends with them just kind of like you know um with 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 uh with quinn obviously shaken but like ultimately not um not really knowing like what to do next he's just he's just gonna lay low at his girlfriend's house for the next little bit uh we cut we cut to um pal and shepherd and they have the they have a scene where they find another sacrifice victim with the sur- uh, a surgeon simulator um, rib cage sticking out. Um, Powell says something quite interesting because um, Shepard t- tells Powell about what he's been sort of like under what he what he's been learning, quote unquote, about mm-hmm. um, human sacrifice and about and how about hearts were offered up to the gods. Mm-hmm. Powell says, "Now we just." Take now we just nowadays we just eat the wafer and drink the wine. Now that's what I call being civilized. Mm-mm. And I'm so like <laughs> interesting to me. <laughs> I, and I, was, and, and yeah. I just I just have it in my notes ideology. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love civil like civilized ideology. Like this because the thing is is like human history is so short and brief and largely the same. You know, like it's, it's, it's the shit that people, like people who considered themselves civilized were doing the same exact shit as people, as people, the actions that people they considered uncivilized, you know, like, right. Like it's, it's not that different. And it's almost as if there's sort of like threads between human consciousness and how we like approach situations for our own survival. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's it's like like the circumstances that you, that all three of us in this call were born into um, living, like born in in the late 20th century. Like, Mm. you know, we would only hope that if there is a future and that there are anthropologists and historians of the future, that they will look mm-hmm. back at our time and not say, not call us savages, despite all of our, sh- or all of our worst behaviors right. that they will, that they'll say that like, 
this class system that humanity has lived under for the last 300 years really did a number on the planet and the people who lived on it and the non-human people who lived on the planet, right. uh, you know, for a long time, but they eventually got over it. At least, like, yeah. that's the hope, right? Is that is that there will be a future archaeologist who will think, you know, Man, they were really bogged down in some really harmful behaviors, but they these got guys were really fun. These guys were really just fucking riding it out, huh? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> they just, just absolutely fucking like just looking in the future, like like I, I I like to think in the future they're going to unearth my corpse and just note a this they somehow note that a somehow note for my skeleton a this person had huge knockers, b their <laughs> knuckles were perpetually white. Well, 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 well. Like, like moreover, it's like how, how do we just like. The sort of, like, um, uh, barbarianism or whatever, if we're going to call it that, uh, that went in the European Middle Ages, you know? How is that distinct from anything that was happening in, quote-unquote, non-civilized society? Like, highly, quote-unquote, you know? Right, right. Uh, uh, Internationally, like, like they seem largely equivalent. We're just using a different schema in order to understand them, you know? One is mm-hmm. seen through, like, uh, a sort of Christian god, and some is seen as, like, you know, it, the, the fact that it's a non-Christian god is is, is more uh, savage, but it's not, you know? I mean, right. once we remove any sort of, like, loftiness from any, like, god whatsoever, it's like, well, we had a belief system, and we took actions based on that belief system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah, and, and that right. and that and that uh in our lifetimes, it's like it's like if it's like if um people looked back at the last, you know you know, three thousand years or whatever, and we're like, "Ah, oh, Christianity was the dominant religion." It's like, well, there was a, there wasn't the only game in town. There were tons of people who had different beliefs. It's just that absolutely. It's just that the the violence of colonialism means that pre-colonial subjects who were distinct and uh, and and not part of the generally accepted history of what uh, of what people were like before contact are mm-hmm. erased they'll be mm-hmm. and they'll and they will be continuously erased um, right yeah forever yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> but yeah it's a dark there, history but uh <laughs> yeah but there's there's a lot of ideology and and just when i wrote down the word ideology we take a look at the twin towers <laughs> Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's, there's a huge shot of the twin towers after yes. Powell says the words. These days we just drink water, drink the wine, and eat the wafer. We and it's sh- like, yeah. oh, it's like, oh, fuck, man, we really do, huh? Fuck. Yeah, man. <laughs> like you don't even fucking know. Like, <laughs> like, like, man. It's like it's because it's constantly with a lot of like late 20th century stuff. It's like, man, you don't even know how bad it's gonna get. Yeah, how, 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 and, and just like the, the highly ideological times that you live in. And even, even the, even the, the, the idea of like non ideological thinking is so, is so broken, you know, Mm. especially Mm -hmm. now. I think people, the, the air of neutrality is such a potent and, and, and tempting drug to, to take. Absolutely. Um, Because, because, I mean, to speak more broadly, um, it's it's we have this sense right now like everyone is lying to you, you know. Mm. So it, it feels safer to sit in the middle, you know, because it's like okay, anyone could possibly be true. So I'm just gonna be like a middle rotor, 
Mm-hmm. But that is not the case. Right, <laughs> it's really right, not. Right. Yeah. And, and and there's this is a movie where there is a scene where New Yorkers are looking up at the sky as a building central to their lives is being central to their lives in that it dominates their their eyesight, but not in the way that capital dominates their lives. Sure. It's like sure. it's like this monument to nothing that kind sure, of just like yeah, occupies absolutely. their physical space. Yeah. We we have shots of New Yorkers on the streets of New York looking up at the sky with blood dripping down on them. Yeah. And and the and the connections between 1982 and 2001, it's not that great of a time span because mm. it was in the air. It was we were heading in this direction like the, the I beginning mean, we were already getting involved in the Middle East. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. With Reagan. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we have all that that culminates from Reagan to Bush to Clinton to Bush. And then mm-hmm. it's like it's like. W- and then Obama. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to today. <laughs> to continue right? it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, you know, you know, we definitely do not live in what I would describe as uh, civilized times. If civilized means that we. Um, are truly, uh, yeah, that we're truly understanding understanding of each other, absolutely, and yeah. that and, and that ideology does not rule our lives. But anyway, that's a, that's a huge <laughs> big <expansion. laughs> Um, we have we have uh we have a, there's a scene with Shepard Powell and the commissioner that where they discuss like um tracking down um and like and like staking out the museum for anybody mm-hmm. who looks suspicious and i'm like okay this is a weird scene but it goes by really fast and then sure we uh the unfortunate the movie kind of cuts some corners a little bit here because the next <laughs> kill that we get is like five seconds long and it's another construction worker gets killed by q yeah and it's um, and it, it just sort of breezes past yeah it's like the the there's a there's a camera zoom in a man screams we see the claw and the talon and then he and then the construction worker does like a funny backflip yeah it feels like one of those things we were talking over while we were watching it because uh it is not the next one i remember the next one i remember is uh the, the more like hornier <laughs> oh yes game. yes yeah the next one the next the next yeah that one is just extremely like make up a guy and kill him in your mind <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Like that is the most Joss from Twenty Four to me. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, but then after the construction worker dies, Shepard meets with another anthropologist. Um, they have a con- they have a conversation about like the prevalence of winged or feathered serpents across world history. Uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. As a as a teen, you know, when I wasn't listening to Eminem, I was definitely into comparative anthropology <laughs> because nothing intrigued me more than the idea that cultures that were very distant from each other um came up with the same stories like the prevalence it's of floodness and yeah it is compelling and i think that you know there's something there but i'm just not sure if i if if we've really synthesized a theory yet and the prevalent theory at the time of the making of this movie was like still pretty much up in the air between like freudian and jungian theories of like mm. archetypes and the collective unconscious and it's compelling if if it mm. wasn't like you know filtered through very white very eurocentric lenses um yeah but the, for myself and, i will yeah. say that like especially with flood myths you know it's mm. like well it's just that human beings tend to locate within similar regions geographically you know like by for rivers sure. or by bodies of water because 
food exists within bodies of water. And 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 the act of flooding was, you know, especially in the times where you don't have very much generational memory. Yeah. But, but you understand that there are oral traditions that say like sometimes it floods really bad and we gotta move back our settlements or whatever, whatever have you, and so. Yeah, so it's a very kind of like compelling uh like thread to follow. Um, yeah, yeah. And especially with like the flying lizards, you know, with dragons. Um right, it's like, right. well, lizards are the animals that are the most unlike us, you know, or like reptile reptiles, you know, are the ones that are most unlike us because mammals are very much like us and we mostly interact with those. So of course we have myth- mythology about lizards because they're like these are like strange little guys. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Yeah, smile, smile is staring daggers into the into at me right now. Imagine. If, I think she. I think she can tell the the conversation we're on. <laughs> imagine if we had. Well, I think I think Smile should be happy that we never really perfected lizard husbandry. We only ever really perfected that with uh, with uh, with mammals that could actually move yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God, smile with. Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm really just enjoying the idea of smile as like a pack as like a like a pack mule type of animal, <laughs> just like carry, carrying like a small bag of potato chips on her back because I doubt she get huffed much more. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh yeah, for sure. And so, um, like, I I think the maximum weight that smile could carry is like a magic eight ball, possibly. Oh, yeah. For sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, but you know what? We we appreciate their efforts anyway. Um, Absolutely. So the anthropologist says something that I thought was like a twist for like a, like a magical like second act villain appearance. Mm. Excuse me. The anthropologist says, "I'd really love to get my hands on it." When in reference to Quetzalcoatl. Mm. And I and I was and I and and the first thing I thought of was no, <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. the 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 and 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 it just made me think like, you know, there are so many things out there that are like, you know, I don't really know where like where where Powell's oh no sorry not where not Powell's uh, Shepherd's like Shepherd. idea idea of like monsters being mistaken as gods like that's sure. a that's a very interesting kind of like like belief to have that like, like yeah like this david Carradine's character believe that monsters are real but as a rule mm. but just that they're not all gods mm. anyway mm-hmm. it's very it's the strangest the strangest take you could possibly have on being an atheist <laughs> right it's it's so it's, god god is not real but the loch ness monster sucked my dick in a back in a back alley yeah yeah and it was, and, and and I've never had, and and my sex life has never been as good as it was. In the I've been ch- I've been chasing that high ever since. <laughs> Literally chasing dragon, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, we can just wrap it up. I don't think we're topping that. <laughs> that's no, no, that's no, no, no. that's gotta that's <laughs> gotta be like a scaly like like, uh, like call to action chasing or the something. Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I I should hope. You know, if they had a fucking sense of um, yeah, they 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 better. You know, they fucking better. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, yes, I am a chaser. Parentheses dragon. <laughs> 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 
fucking hell. Um, I love it. I love if you don't, it. if you don't have, if you don't have scales, or if you do not have a scale or a chitinous exoskeleton, do not fucking talk to me. Oh do not, God! Do not at me. <laughs> oh, do not at me. Do not DM me. Do not look at my Twitter profile. Do not interact with me in any way, shape, or form. If you like my tweets, I will. I if you if you like my tweets, I will descend upon you with the fury of a thousand gods. Yes. Do, and Unless you have scales. No yes. flesh, no furs, no... <laughs> no way, brother. <laughs> oh, God. So, so yeah, so uh, Shepard doesn't, in fact... Uh, uh, yeah, he, he has a conversation with the anthropologist, and he says, um, you know, is it possible this could exist? And the anthropologist is like, no, but I'd love to get my hands on it. And then that's the end of that scene. Um, we cut back to Quinn, who is, uh, still back at his partner's place, um, still stinking up the place, and he's, uh, laying on the couch when he hears a knock on the door, mm-hmm. and he realizes that the mob is out there, uh, they have tracked him down to his partner's apartment, and he's mm-hmm. very much panicking, uh, he has this really funny bit where he hasn't said anything, and nobody has answered the door, the mob guy says, Jimmy, we know that you're in there. Uh, please come out. And we know that you have the stash. To which Jimmy responds with, no, I don't. <laughs> like, absolutely. Like, like, you could have just been dead silent. And, and nobody would know that you were there. But you had to go ahead and say that you didn't have the stash anyway, like a like mm-hmm. a like like a like like a dan- like a darn fool, like mm-hmm. holy shit, like like Jimmy Quinn is not only Weasley, but he's also like an incompetent weasel. He's not even like he's... a weasel that you could respect. I know, no, he <laughs> truly is an idiot. Um, the the only sort of power grab he has is the fact that he hasn't has a regular lawyer, you know. Um, which is weird. It is weird. I it's never really explained. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if this happens immediately next. Um, but we do eventually get to the point where they bring Jimmy in. Okay. So, 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 yeah, we'll get to that very quickly because uh, I, because I do, I do want to oh, power please, through please lead us this it. bit. So, yes. so, so the mob are going to try and break down the door to his, um, to his girlfriend's house. He opens up the, um, the window to the fire escape, goes down the fire escape, walks down the street, gets caught by the mob guys. And they say, okay, we're going to beat the shit out of you until you tell us where the stash is. They beat the shit out of him for like half a second. And he says, okay, I'll tell you where they're, where they are. <laughs> and then we cut to the Chrysler building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Jimmy uh leads them to the night wa- uh, to the to the watchman. The uh the watchman gets knocked out um by one of the mobster guys. There's two mobster mm-hmm. guys with him. Mm-hmm. They he says the I stash the diamonds up in the, up up these ladders. Mm-hmm. So they go up those two ladders and lo and behold Q is there and mm-hmm. she eats both mob guys. It's yes. great. It is. It is. We hear the most ADR like Pringles being crushed yes! in the can. They come in. Yes. Like, as as Jimmy Quinn is walking back down the ladder, he keeps yelling, "Eat them! Eat them! 
eat them and it's so fucking funny um <laughs> so yeah jimmy uh the uh, basically uses uh um basically uses q as like an aubrey 2 kind of figure and ah. just kind of feeds uh feeds his enemies to them mm-hmm. uh it's very cool and uh it and and he feels like he he must feel like he's on cloud 9 until he returns to his partner's apartment and while he's climbing up the stairs he gets nabbed by the cops and gets brought yes. in yes he does um and and a variety of things happen but he does get brought into a sort of boardroom eventually i love the scene um Bef- oh, uh, so, to it. oh really quickly before uh, so so after he gets caught by the cops that's when we get the swimmer kill Mm. The- yes, the swimmer. The swimmer kill is so delightful because this, this guy is. The, so the, this is the only scene that has planted itself in my memories firmly enough for me to recap it because sure, it's yeah, just please. seared into my mind. Yes. Because what happens is this, like this vaguely European-looking bodybuilder guy, is just boredly like helping women work out, which is like. Listen, dude, you're 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 training women doing push-ups. Like, could you look a little bit more excited? Like, like have some fun in the sun. Like, what are you, what the fuck are you doing? And he's just like, okay, do some push-ups. I don't fucking care. I'm gonna go jump in the water, go for a swim because I'm just so over you, bitches. And then he gets grabbed out of the water by Q and dies. <laughs> yeah, he he's very boredly counting a woman's push-ups. Yeah, and then once he gets to like, I love f- it. 48 um he like dives into the pool and then uh immediately as if to punish him for his ungratefulness uh uh, respect (laughs) women q comes down q descends from the heavens and says you must respect women (laughs) quetzalcoatl uh grabs him out of the pool and carries him um uh, uh above the uh above the thing and then we and then we and then we cut to uh the um the whatchamacallit the uh the the police precinct Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love the commissioner in this scene because he's so Irish for no reason. <laughs> yeah, well, so you know, Irish. He's he's Irish, but he's doing a very good British impression. But it's sometimes his actual Irish accent like like breaks I through a little bit. At the end of the scene, it definitely he feels like he's doing full Irish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, which is which is funny because um. Uh, Malachi McCourt, he, um, he was, uh, born in New York, but he actually was raised in Limerick. Mm. So he's one of the very few people who can say, I'm Irish American and actually mean it. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> and actually it means something. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, he's no, he's no plastic patty, that's for sure. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but they have this, um, they have this, um, this conversation where Quinn is being interviewed by Powell mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the night watch, the, the watchman, he's being interviewed by another guy, by another detective. Mm-hmm. And so um, Quinn kind of like hymns and haws and said, he's not going to give up any information about the heist mm-hmm. uh, until he hears um, the, uh, the uh he hears Powell and Shepard and the commissioner all talking about the uh ritual murders mm-hmm. and to which he to which he he puts the pieces together that ah 
the ritual murders and and the thing I found in the nest, those things are connected. So mm-hmm. he hatches a plan to get himself out of trouble, but not before he has yet another wonderful conversation with his partner where he basically says like, fuck everyone else. I'm out for number one. I'm going to, I know things that the cops don't and I'm going to use yeah. my information to, to get me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. She says that he's an asshole and he's like, everyone, everyone's being, a everyone's being an SAW about this. Let me just live my life. <laughs> <laughs> blah 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 and then and uh-huh. then she, and then she leaves and she's like you're an asshole and if you keep letting people die then um you know you know you're you're just you're just you're just no good basically mm-hmm. um so jimmy uh basically gets a meeting with the commissioner powell shepherd and a bunch of other like city like official types um, like I think, like the uh, the captain of the police department, another detective shows up, lawyers, whatever, and he says, you know, I'm able to. I he I know about one of the victims who hasn't been in any of the papers, a woman who's who wore a charm bracelet, the kind of bracelet you can never take off. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 police commissioner is like, okay, what are your terms? And mm-hmm. Quinn asks for <clears throat> one million dollars. Yes. Full amnesty on anything that they are, have currently charged him with, including future crimes. Yeah. Which <laughs> um, is a big ask. Big ask, and and and, and interestingly enough, um, a uh, uh, the exclusive photo rights of the creature, the egg. And anything else related to the mission, mm-hmm. and so they're like, okay, well, we'll we'll drop the contract, uh, and uh, you can you come back in twenty minutes. And so Shepard um, leads Jimmy to a, a coffee shop, and where they have a, a conversation. Right. Um, Jimmy talks a little bit about being an ex-con, being somebody who like went to prison before when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and he makes note to um cuz cuz obviously they've met each other before in the bar and when when Shepard brings up the fact that he saw him perform at that bar uh Jimmy first of all drops an n word in in this story which is which I hate it um, well it's not good no but he's not a good person so yeah so he uh, and so he says like oh someone who I went to prison with Tommy that and he that's the best thing that anyone's ever given me. It's more than you'll ever give me. And so, mm-hmm. OK. And so, yeah. So so Shepard's kind of like annoyed at, at at Jimmy. He's like, OK, what you are, you know, like we're we're your soldiers. Tell us what to do. Like, we're, like the police are your soldiers. Tell us what to do. And Jimmy starts talking about, like, taking a giant circus tent and like putting it over the top of the building and like using helicopters so to funny. do so, and like, mm. like, like, Detective Shepard like starts laughing, and he's like, "Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get a circus tent from Ringling Brothers, and you know, we'll we'll also tell them that it's not going to be in great shape when they get it back, and mm-hmm. and 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 and, <laughs> and 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 uh, Jimmy says, "Well, they can sue the city," and then uh, Detective Shepard says, "Why not? Everybody else is." <laughs> <laughs> so fucking funny and uh, it's so and, good 
And so Jimmy's talking about this plan and he starts talking, he starts hinting at what building the, the, the creatures in. Cause he hasn't given away that information yet to the police, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. as he's about to say the building, that's when Sergeant Powell walks in mm-hmm. and Sergeant Powell, who, who argued with him when they were both in the, uh, the meeting room with the lawyers mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, he, uh, Quinn says, if you hadn't have walked in here, I was about to spill my whole guts. And then a bunch of news reporters walk in and start taking photos of Jimmy and Detective Shepard because mm. apparently information has already leaked that uh, the man who knows something about um, the flying monster that there is basically no doubt of now that it, it is for sure a thing that exists Yeah, uh, it was at this diner. And so, yeah, yeah and so they... Uh, they finish their little diner shindig or whatever. Sure. They uh, they then rendezvous to the 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 Chrysler building. Right. Uh, the police, Quinn, Shepard, go up to the nest. The mother's yes. gone, uh, uh, but it's just the egg there in the nest. <laughs> uh, and then uh, so it's uh, it's just Shepard up there by himself. And David Carradine's, like, dressed in all black. He's got, like, a SWAT outfit on. But he's still got, mm-hmm. like, no helmet. Because, like, mm-hmm. he's, like, I'm definitely not fucking up my hair for this movie. Mm-hmm. And so he's got, like, this, like, submachine gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, fry uh, He says, before he starts shooting at the egg, he says, fry up about 500 pounds of bacon. We're going to have ourselves some breakfast. <laughs> and then he just starts ah, shooting. Yeah, 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 <laughs> he, yeah. He yeah. Yeah, this egg just gets fucking blasted. Just absolutely obliterate with nine millimeter bullets and just Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after so after uh after succeeding the uh the that particular side quest, um Jimmy is rewarded by being told that because they did not kill the mother, that his money, his amnesty, and his photo rights are being taken away from him. Ah, it's 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 the fuck it's the fucking it's the fucking it's the fucking uh the the dr phil uh i'm gonna kill you give me two give me one million dollars yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and so um quinn throws an absolute shit fit at this and says you can't do this you know mm. I, I told you where it was you guys fucked up you didn't get my big circus tent. I want my lollipop. Fuck you. <laughs> where is where is my sailor suit? I was a delightful little boy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, oh my god, this was so fucking funny. So, uh, Detective Shepard says, "We're not gonna really. Um, we're not. We may not uh, um, uh, honor the amnesty agreement either. But just so that it's not a huge uh, loss here, he gives him like thirty cents." He's like, this is for the coffee that you bought me earlier. Mm-hmm. Quinn, like, mm-hmm. looks like he's about to, like, his eyeballs are about to pop out of his fucking head. He mm-hmm. throws the change on the ground, and he says, mm-hmm. you can't do this to me. I'm going to sue your ass. Why don't mm-hmm. you take this? Take this. He, like, throws the coins on the ground. He says, shove it up your up your brain. Up your little, mm-hmm. small little brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so fucking funny. Just A like, delight. Mm-hmm. Just like shove these coins up your small little brain, mm-hmm. you know. I like, I wonderful, just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we cut to, and then, and then before we end the scene, we cut back to um, uh, Shepard, who's like looking back at Quinn, 
smiling, and he starts squawking again. Mm. <laughs> it's literally like the like this the way that Detective Shepard has left two scenes in this movie is that he squawks very loudly like a bird. <laughs> Just yeah. like absolutely fucking bananas level acting here. And then we cut it. to a mime. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, did I lose my mind when this, the mime showed This up. fucking mime. This mime. Oh my god. Like, I'm... it's like a propose of fucking nothing does this mime show up. Um, yeah, we had the... Suddenly, the... we have a man in a phone booth with a with fucking clown face makeup on. Yeah, with the with the white face paint and the and the beret and the fucking yeah. stripy jumper and the fucking exactly. overalls. Exactly. Blair, Blair, Blair. I, I, I am very fatigued, which is part of the reason why I've not been very vocal on this episode, which I apologize for. I no. do need to say that I really, for a second, thought you were about to say that, that we cut to a man in a phone booth in clown face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is he not in, in that? If you're not, if if you don't have a clown certificate from a clown college certified by Ringling Brothers, you are wearing clown face. If, you if you're fucking clown. talking while you're dressed up like a mime, that's clown face. Uh, like, like I mean, I'm I'm not about to cast too much aspersions, but I'm about to cast like moderately serious aspersions. Yeah, we're casting some aspersions here. Clowning is a ser- is serious work. You know, people comedians today don't don't appreciate what clowning has done for them. And you know what? Honestly, considering the... Actually, you know what? I'm going to take back everything I said because cops are inherently clowns, so it works. (laughs) Fair fuck enough. (laughs) So... We cut to a mime talking, staking at the museum. So this is the comeuppance of the five minute scene that we had earlier with the commissioner Powell and Shepard talking. Mm -hmm. Um, They have this mime staked out and he says, there's a guy who just left the museum with a medical bag, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and he looks suspicious as hell. And Mm -hmm. so they're like, all right, great. Send in the anti-terrorism task force, which in Mm -hmm. this case is Powell, two detectives and a mime. Sure. <laughs> they they hop into a, a car and this screenshot was shared by Sarah and it's just so fucking funny to see Shaft, so a mime, and two detectives. Yes, all, it's the best. Who 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 look like the most seventies like like fucking like um like proce- cop procedural like yes. ass cops in the world. Yes. Um Cut to them all driving in pursuit of the uh, of the this guy who apparently was a Columbia medical student and is a surgery uh-huh. uh, major. So mm. they track him down to a warehouse with a miniature Statue of Liberty on top of it, which I thought was interesting. Apparently, Ominous. it was the model that was used for the actual Statue of Liberty, um, sure. at least at least in 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 the world of the film. Sure. Um, so they go to the warehouse. A man who looks a lot like Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> but like now, like takes yeah. off his it takes off his own top. You know, mm-hmm. this movie is all about equality. So the woman took off her top, and now he's taking off his top. Fair and um, he lays on a sacrificial altar. Mm-hmm. His chest is cut by mm-hmm. somebody wearing a mask uh, mm-hmm. that looks like it's made out of paper mache, like literally. It's pretty. It's, it's so school play. Yeah, and and he's got like the surgical knife. He's doing these incantations. Um, and it's 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 the 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 stabbing that happens is like 
I mean, it's it's so fake. I mean, of it's, course it is, but like, it's so fake. The best part about it is this: so he he has sliced this man's chest from the bottom of his neck to the to the belly button, mm-hmm. and then the cops break in and they say, "Put the knife down." The man who is being sacrificed says, leave us alone, leave us in peace. He mm-hmm. gets up off the altar, and mm-hmm. what I thought was going to happen was, oh, his chest is going to open up and all of his guts are going to fall out. Not no. So. No, because this movie is very low budget, um, yes. and they only have so much money for special effects. <laughs> yes. chest I, think is- they, I, think, I really think they should have just gone in and, like... Just like, well, you, you say low budget, but like this movie had a budget of like a million dollars, which in 1982 is like infinite money to me. <laughs> or, I or mean, ni- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, but like most of that went to, um, you know, like the the special effects for Q uh, herself. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think they should maybe they should have just got like some spaghettios. Yeah, uh, his his chest gash remains completely closed as he is shot in the chest by one of the detectives. Um, who then mm. respond? Who then? We didn't get a close-up shot of his face where he and he just says he just came at me. He just came at me, and it, and I thought that was very funny. The the man who had the knife grabs the 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 headpiece that he was wearing and throws it at the detectives, and so instead of unloading a hail of gunfire at the sacrificer, they just kind of chase him on foot. Um, Powell and the mime go to the roof. They get to the rooftop. And uh, Powell uh, is like in pursuit of the guy. He says he tells the mime to wait back there for him. And as Powell is like looking where where the sacrificer is going, he gets hit in the face with a fucking kite, with a bird like a bird kite. And he's like, "Oh god damn it!" And then as soon as he flicks the kite away from his face, Quetzalcoatl comes down and grabs his ass. Literally lifts Shaft off of the roof and carries him over the city. It's it's a delight. It's it's fucked. The the <laughs> just like the fake out jump scare of the of the kite hitting Powell in the face, followed by the Quetzalcoatl like picking up Powell and then carrying him over the city, is just fucking amazing. Um, just and the mime has like this like expression of like almost like orgasmic grief. Like, like, I can't describe the face that the mind pulls, but it, if if a mind pulled that kind of face, you would definitely drop a dollar into his hat. <laughs> You're like, this is fucking acting. This, yeah, this guy is abs- this guy is fucking, this guy is the fucking, this guy is the fucking Daniel Day-Lewis of mimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So this, so this, so this fucking scene. So, we get a scene with Quinn um, yelling at his partner again. Um, and, like, the the scene begins with him throwing a chair out a door and it just fucking disintegrating into splinters. Yeah. It's, like, made of, like, fucking chipboard. <laughs> like, wh- what the fuck? And so Quinn yell- is yelling at, um, yelling at Joan, his partner. And Joan... We've we've neglected. I neglected to mention this before, but when Joan and Quinn are having an argument the first time after Quinn um, finds the nest, she says something really fucked up, which is that um, at least you're not throwing punches anymore. And so mm-hmm. we we learned this really awful thing about Quinn, which is that he may have been abusive to Joan 
physically in the past. And so that's why she doesn't really like it when he drinks, doesn't really like it when he um, asks her for a drink after that um, first encounter with the egg. And so, um, but this time she's just absolutely lost it. She seed him the way that he was talking in the interrogation room when he said that he's going to use information about the nest to try and get out of trouble. Um, she saw the way that he acted after the, the diamond heist went wrong this is strike number three. She's fucking done. She says she's she's out of here. She she says, you know what, fucker? This is my house. And if you're going to be an asshole, why don't you go take a walk? To which Jimmy Quinn responds, huh? <laughs> it's just, just like and, and, and he's like really aghast at this. He's like, are you serious? You're really going to throw me out? And Joan says, yeah, why don't you just go take a walk and find some park bench that'll fit you? And it's just like, damn, Jimmy, you, you're really getting what you deserve in this one. Yeah, D- Jimmy, Jimmy gets what he deserves. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, um, so all of that happens. And then so we cut back to the Chrysler building where Powell was oh, sorry, where, where um, Shepard was waiting um, when Powell went to go uh, investigate the uh, the uh, the um, the mimes lead. And so they get ready to lay a a hail of gunfire on Q when she comes back. She does indeed come back and the entire force, uh, the entire police force just like start just shooting massive amounts of nine millimeter rounds at Q. And she flies around. We get really, we get really nice establishing shots of her whole figure. Like, like, like the whole model that they used for Q is, is like shown off. And it's very much like plasticine, like dinosaur. Like you ever take like clay or plasticine and just like roll it into a hot dog and then like turn that into a snake. That's basically the kind of level that we're dealing with. A very smooth (laughs) Q is what we're, is what we're dealing with in this one. Right, yeah, um, exactly. Smooth Q. Yeah, yeah. smooth Q. Um, <laughs> smoothie Q. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, after laying like what must be like 80,000 nine millimeter rounds and losing at least a solid eight guys to Q, because they have like NYPD officers in SWAT gear on these like little tiny like singular like... Um, what you call them? Uh, like scaffolds, and sure. I'm like, you'd have to pay me a thousand million gajillion dollars to even <laughs> look at one of those things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. let a, let alone fucking sit in, get in one while a flying creature is coming at me, and all yeah. I have is a submachine gun. Yeah, like like at least give me like the the fat boy or something or 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 mm-hmm. you know or like or like <laughs> some kind of like ridiculously get get weapon. John get. Ju- Get John suited up in the Enola Gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me fucking power armor, or turn me into Master Chief or something. Like, mm-hmm. like this. Like, like it's not going to happen unless I'm like super powered. Mm-hmm. And so they lose eight, eight or nine guys, and then they finally think like, okay, great, Q's gone. You know, she's dead. And then Q literally sticks her head into the hole right behind David Carradine's fucking body. And, and like, I literally legitimately thought he was going to get, like, you ever see, like, those, like, commie bits where, like, um, 
someone gets a cane and like hooks the neck of one of the, of a comedian on stage and like mm, yanks mm-hmm, them off stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I literally thought I was about to see fucking David Cage get yoinked right out of the, the <laughs> Chrysler building. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. but unfortunately, that is not what gets yoinked. Instead, uh, instead, um, uh, uh, David Carradine turns around and lights up uh, Q with more nine millimeter rounds in the head, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Q's life ends by crashing into the the, pil- the 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 black pyramid next to the Chrysler building and then falling mm-hmm. ominously into the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then we get the final scene of the movie. <laughs> Q's dead. Unreal way for this film to end. <laughs> Q's dead, but we're but we're at like one twenty eight. We can fit five more minutes into this movie, sure. and so. And so we cut to Jimmy reading a newspaper in a shit uh, in a shitty hotel room and he's like laughing at like the at reading the news that Q's dead and all this other shit that went down. He he looks outside of the 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 hotel window and he says I saved you. I saved all of you. And what am I here for? And then he hears a knock at the door. He goes mm. to the door. He goes outside. He looks down the hallway, but only one way down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Looks down, looks back the other way, then looks back, and then gets stuck up on by by the guy who escaped um, uh, the police raid on the Liberty Statue building. Um, it's it's the sacrificer, and he, the sacrificer did not think this plan through. He brings Quinn into his hotel room, kneels him down, and has a Bowie knife to his neck, and he says. Um. Uh, he says, "You must give your flesh willingly. Say this prayer with me. Because, as we know, uh, Quetzalcoatl won't accept flesh sacrifices that are not made willingly." Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Quinn says, "I piss on your prayer." Mm. Preacher told me to say my prayers as a kid. I didn't say my prayers. Police told me to say my prayers. I didn't say my prayers. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to say your prayers. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and this just kind of leaves the sacrificer guy like just kind of sitting there like, oh, um, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so yeah. and, and <laughs> so he starts speaking like an incantation. Jimmy mm-hmm. Quinn says, I've taken shit from you. I've taken shit from City Hall. Do mm-hmm. it. Kill me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the the sacrificer is like, fuck it. I'm just going to kill this guy. Raises uh-huh. the knife and gets shot in the head from behind yeah. by yeah. Detective Shepard. Just yeah. gets absolutely fucking brained. Yeah. He then, like, gets onto the bed and he goes, ah. And he falls on the bed. <laughs> And, it's and perfect. Detective Shepard looks at looks at Jimmy and says, "Hope I hope you got your tetanus shot." Mm. And then like does like a almost like a still frame like pose like that's mm. the end of the movie. <laughs> but it's not the end of the movie because there's still mm. five minutes, three minutes left. Mm. So Jimmy gets up and he's like, "How'd you find me?" And and uh, and uh, Shepard says, "We've been looking through every Roche Motel in the city, trying mm-hmm. to find you." 
and mm-hmm. and Jimmy's like, oh yeah, and 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 Shepard said it all started when, and then the guy, the guy with the knife, stands up off the bed and charges at the two of them, and, <laughs> and Detective Shepard shoots him again. Yeah, he he falls back down onto the bed, and then gets back up again. <laughs> Yeah. And Shepard just shoots him three more times. Yeah. He shoots great. It takes this man five bullets to get to get put down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in a final shot, so so they they go back out to the uh, the hallway and this is the buddy cop like sign off quippy moment where yeah. um you know, Shepard says, you know, your partner is waiting for you at the station. And Quinn says, "You know what? I'm not gonna. We're not good for each other. I'm not gonna. Mm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna see her again until I have a job." Mm-hmm. And then, uh, sh- and then, and then, uh, Shepard's like, "All right. Well, what are you gonna do? You get a job. What are you gonna do? Mm. <laughs> wash windows?" And um, mm. he doesn't. He doesn't say wash windows, but I wish mm. he did. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Quinn says, "I'm gonna play piano somewhere. I'm pretty good." To which Shepard responds, yeah, but what the fuck do you know? Ah. <laughs> that's a great it's way good. to end no, the movie. Good, yeah. Yeah. So this so this uh, genuine bit of, of onset hostility, at least in my head, <laughs> turned yeah. into a funny quippy line at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the movie and ends quite... The winged serpent. <laughs> the movie... Well, no, it's not. There's one more scene. Sorry. There's one more scene. The, the movie oh, ends... Yeah. That, yep, yep, the, yep. The, the hallway scene ends with... Uh, very ominously, David Carradine putting a "Wake Me Up" sign on the body with the dead priest in it, uh-huh. which, which, considering the end of David Carradine's life, is really fucking ominous. It's um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, God, that po- that poor whoever has to work that fucking area in the in the in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 uh, David Carradine's last line in the movie is just your normal everyday monster, and then we cut to an aerial shot uh, to a, a yet another dilapidated building in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, then we get a close-in shot from within the building, and we have a pan shot to a giant egg, which then cracks open. Mm-hmm. And that sequel bait that never comes to fruition, of course. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, you know. I, who yeah. knows? Maybe, maybe Who someone, knows, right? Right. Maybe someone desperate enough will try and remake or try I and make love. Q the Wing Serpent Part 2. You and I both know. I would love that. <laughs> 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 like, I, I can I can only imagine what a 2020, the uh, 2020s. Speaking of the decade, um, listen, we hit, we hit, a, we hit, we hit the forty-year anniversary of this film next year. Like, yeah, we gotta, like, we gotta, start, get, we gotta start getting our irons in the fire. I feel there, there exists like a sort of native-centric version of this film. I feel like perhaps yes, no. <laughs> Ooh, that would be that would be interesting to. to I think. I think. I mean, speaking as a, I don't know, a fucking Scandinavian white person myself. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, all is that to say, you know, there, there's been much fear made about Native American monsters, right? Um, for sure. For sure, right? Because they're, they're, they've been treated sort of as cryptids within American mythology. Um, why not exploit that, right? Perhaps. Right, and, <laughs> right. and, and I, I think that so, like, there's so many excellent um 
uh, indigenous people working in genre film right now. Like, mm, mm-hmm. like oh, like genre w- specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I would love to see it personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, horror really is the the. I mean, people talk about comedy being the voice of like the 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 sort of um dissatisfied dissatisfied masses, but comedy to me is the voice of liberalism largely. Um, <laughs> wow. I think, yeah, yeah, I think there's, I think that there's something to be said about that. I think in terms of the genre, like, like the three big genre, like, um, triumvirate, I think Mm. horror is, has the most potential to be, like, used. Subversive? Used, used in service of liberation. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, because, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's there's something to be said about confronting the darkness and overcoming Mm. it and living Mm -hmm. through it. That Mm -hmm. is, that is the indigenous experience. Absolutely. I think, um, one of, uh, one of the great terms I I learned about when I was in indigenous studies was the idea Mm -hmm. of like the, the post-apocalyptic subject Mm -hmm. and like indigenous worldview and like, Mm -hmm. and like how indigenous people are living their own version of a post-apocalypse because Mm -hmm. the society and the structure and the and the world that sustained indigenous ways of knowing living and being were destroyed of course and so you do have like this this element of living in a post-apocalypse but without all of the set dressing um that we associate with that setting in a genre sense Right, because there's because with a lot of um white post apocalyptic you know narratives, it's a it's still a very much of a manifest destiny narrative that's being played out v- there. You know, very very much so, especially um, and I think that you know, you know, I think like Day of the Dead specifically, like like the role of the armed forces as the continuance of the world that it came before and how that system collapses because. Um, well, R- George Romero you, with Day of the Dead was tr- with um, w- was trying to tell a story about um, how the military takes away people's humanity, and yes. if we only rely on military thinking to try and rebuild our society, it won't work. Yes. Um. Uh. And so, you know, there's a lot yeah. of baggage to be unpacked, and of, I think there's of course, there, of course. there's no other form of um, media that or like genre of media that really deals with the baggage in a, in a, or can deal with the baggage in a really profound way, like horror, I think. I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do think about that. Like, especially with like oppressed classes of people there and broadly speaking. Right. Um, I mean, like, look at the show, look at the name of the show, Fear Baiting. It's a, (laughs) yes, you know, you know, know, so true. It's a very good pun, but it's also like thinking about, like, you know, the horror, uh, like, like, if we're thinking about, like, the body horror genre and specifically, Mm. and, and how it relates to issues of, like, gender identity and, and sex, it's like, right, of course, you know, like the idea of, like, the other but like the subject the other subject is yourself and it's yes. just like you know I, it's there so much potential for 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 nuanced gathering i think that's kind of what i wanted to bring up when we did possessor was mm. how mm-hmm, how mm-hmm, possessor mm-hmm. as a film deals with 
the the subject of like embodiment itself not only with like not only like projecting ourselves within the bodies of others but how we enact um uh how we how we perform gender really right right like avenues of reclamation um to me seem most productive within exploring fear right because it's those groups of people who are the most subjugated within society like fear is transposed upon them of course Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and so it every marginalized class that's ever existed within society has had some sort of horror story told about them um and there's real value in um reclaiming and taking like stock in those you know and like saying no i want yes this but also in order to fuck you about it you know like yeah 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 um it, it it's 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 um yeah and and i feel like it's just a matter of tone in that way um where if there's like if you're supposed to root for the monster or not and hey there's real value in a monster should not be seen as i think universally derisive um there's real value right. in rooting for a monster you know right, um right the right, reverence the, like, and the and the and the it's it, like i feel like the like like um in many ways the villain as like um an analog for like the liberated but but scorned subject mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like people have been projecting that and and like using that archetype to tell that kind of story since like paradise lost of course of course if if not before that you know right right um because it's it's a it's a real it's like okay so this is how you conceptualize me okay mm-hmm. fine fair enough you know mm-hmm. i'll operate within your context um, i will i will be the monster to your society because i th- i find your society monstrous exactly right yeah it's like well of course I want to destroy this. It destroyed me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, that's more profound, of course, in more racialized context than anything else, but uh, is is universally, yeah, yeah, applicable and uh, uh, able to be uh, capitalized upon it. And I think, um, uh, which is why I say that humor is liberalist. I don't think it is universally. But when people say that, or this, this SNL idea of humor um of satire um right 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 it's very liberalist because it's it's very much um no 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 we want to we want to hang on to what our status quo is instead of oh you're making fun of us okay well fine i'm the thing you make fun of i'm gonna be that thing and i'm also gonna destroy the shit out of you yeah (laughs) yeah for sure which is an entire differently thing yeah yeah yeah, I find that um, in at least for, for for me in particular, there's this element of what is what what I've loosely like like sort of like understood to be like um, survival tactics, like survivance in general um, for indigenous people does include yes, confronting the horror, but also in some ways being able to laugh through it. And of there's course. something about being able to laugh through it yes. that 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 is more profound than laughing at someone even if that person mm. is even if that person is an oppressor or is an oppressive subject there's something more profound about 
being able to sort of like recognize the absurdity of the circumstances that I think permeates a particular kind of indigenous humor. Yeah. And, and I think it, it ultimately comes out as, you know, we're able to recognize that like, despite it all, we're still able to laugh through this, uh, hardship that we are all confronting and facing. It's kind of like a dark comedy in that way, or like a, yeah. like a black comedy in that way. Yeah, yeah. And excuse me if I'm speaking out of turn when I say as much, but uh, it does feel like a bit, sort of like a sort of Jewish sense of humor to that, whereas sort of like self-effacing, but the sort of like fuck you also about it, you know? Right, and I've and I've heard that. I've heard that, like from from people i know who are both indigenous and jewish that there is this kind of like there is this connection connective tissue with like you know we 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 laugh not because we find it entirely acceptable but we laugh because that's what we can do instead of crying about it of course yeah like we're like we are like we are we are allowed to grieve we're allowed to feel angry but we're also allowed to feel um we're also able to we're also allowed to take uh, to take joy in its absurdity and and in storytelling a type of Schrodenfreud, right yes exactly yeah 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 so i guess perhaps in that strain um on a scale of 0 to 5 oh, what what would you say sarah um Oh God! I, I'm sorry that I've been so ang- painfully silent. I'm just—it it has been slowly over the past this past two hours has been. You can kind of if you if you go back and scrub through the episode, you can kind of realize me realizing how bad of the decision. You can kind of like hear me realizing how bad of a decision it was to go straight from an eight-hour shift <laughs> after a dog shit night's sleep into podcasting without even stopping to eat in between. A girl, um, we're gonna get you food as soon as we're done with this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, but. Uh, uh, so from a scale of zero to five, uh, um, super, on, a sc- on a scale on a scale of zero to five, uh, bad piano riffs. How many bad <laughs> piano riffs are we giving this? Uh, John, please uh, start us off. How do you rate yeah, this movie? I'm gonna have to give it. Um, I'm gonna give this uh, three and a half bad piano riffs. Sure, of course. Yeah, I think I think the movie is as far as bad movies go, pretty great in terms of like. It, it it does not overstay its welcome and it's yes. very quick yes. but i feel like there are elements of the movie that um that kind of uh take a backseat and the first 30 minutes of this film are great because you get two kills you get some really bad line reads in the procedural parts and uh there's like really funny performances all around Mm-hmm. But what happens is is that because as the movie gets along and it gets more complicated, mm-hmm. you see less and less of the good stuff and more and more of the boring stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as I appreciate the effort put forward, mm-hmm. the performances are so the performances are good enough that you could you could feel, you could make the argument that there's nothing wrong with them. But yeah. I would argue that like they're 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 not quite 
um, over the top bad uh, all the time mm-hmm. for me to mm-hmm. really recommend this movie on just that level. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great movie to watch with like a group of friends mm-hmm. and 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 possibly inebriated. I wouldn't know, but mm. um, you know, because I because I've enjoyed this movie three times, stone cold sober, and I find it, <laughs> I find I, it to be, I find and it to I'm be sure almost like as a, well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> almost almost like a comfort bad film, if that makes it sense. It is, it is, it is. Because it is no, I I would agree, like three point five is where I would put this, but for like the reason where it does hit that sweet spot where it's like it's not a it's not a it's not a grueling experience like a birdemic is. A birdemic is a bit grueling to get through. Mm-hmm. Um if you don't have like ancillary like one could not bur- watch Birdemic entirely on one's own because you need yeah. the additional conversation I, in order to get through i have i speaking as someone who has done that with birdemic yeah this is a true statement yes yeah, um, for sure Same. Uh, uh, but yeah this has enough good going for it where perhaps maybe but as absolutely i would 100 percent agree with you benefited by the fact that like you you want to have background conversation while you're watching this movie so yeah absolutely can, i a hundred percent. So, like, all of your party group can turn to the TV at once and be like, "Oh my fucking god, what the fuck is happening?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I am. Uh, I, I, I'm going with a three myself, just mm. because I, I, I said this during the movie, but like, for the last like, maybe like, maybe for the last like hour, maybe like fifty for the last like, no, not not for the last hour. Sorry, I'm. I'm I'm for the last like 30 to 40 minutes of this movie. It feels like the movie is constantly like 10 to 15 minutes away from the end. That's very true. And it is, it is, it, it like, it is an agonizing process to, yes. to realize that it is not 15 minutes from the end. Like it feels at all times. Yes. <laughs> but yes. it's also very, it's also very funny. Cause like even the very end of the movie still feels also 15 minutes away from the end. Yes. It's, 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 like, it's like, it's, it's, it's a bell curve of like how far away, how far away is the movie from the ending in the middle is 15 minutes. Yes. I think I, yeah, it's weird. Cause it's like, for me, it's like the first 45 minutes of the movie is breakneck pace. But then yes. the last 45 minutes of the movie is all stopping. Oh it's all, oh like, stop-start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, totally, 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 totally. Um, uh, we got questions. Oh, Yay. shit. Yeah, let, let's, let's, let's. Fuck yeah. Okay. Uh, this question from scholars for Watanagashi Truth, uh, at Sylveon But Queer. Yes. What's your opinion on a damn fine tuna sandwich? Um, oh, I, I cannot abide tuna. I fucked with tuna sandwiches hard. So, th- me being as I am... A- a vegetarian mm. um a non-option for me i love seafood though it, it is real <sighs> okay not to be like a bougie white person my parents are moving to spain in a couple of years <laughs> and i'm gonna be like seafood is it gonna be a thing i'm gonna have to reintroduce into my life um i miss it i miss a good tuna fish sandwich though i will say for myself for sure yeah i yeah i i'm a huge slut for tuna. Like oh, it's not it's even the fucking best fish. funny. It's the best fish. It's not. Yeah, it, it is. It really is in the sense that like it's not even fucking close. Yeah. Like like so y'all heard that story recently about how Subway tuna is apparent isn't apparently real tuna sandwiches. Right. Sure. Like yeah. like sure, I, yeah. like I like 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 someone like some like lab in Ireland like did like a like a research test on like the the substance quote-unquote known as tuna at subway sandwiches and apparently did not contain any tuna product at all yeah i heard that i heard that story back when it like 
like like came out in like summer this year and i yeah. just like all it fucking did was make me hungry for a subway tuna sub sandwich Dude, so i, I literally just ordered one yeah <laughs> like like and 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 the thing is is that like you know i'm i'm very conscious of like not being a bother to other people so i so i have friends who like do not like tuna do not like the smell of tuna do not like sure. the taste of tuna at all and okay. so i will plan when i have tuna sandwiches around when i am around those people <laughs> <laughs> oh you are you are such a delight of a person it's just it's just i i i recognize that like it's not everyone's cup of tea but of also if I had a coworker who was a little bit annoying, maybe I would steal his tuna sandwich. Yeah, yeah. With some, especially if it had some like lettuce and some oh, green, yeah. on, green pepper on it, and all oh. some fucking celery chopped in with it. Yes, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Oh my god, yeah. So yeah, my my opinion is, um, it's proof that God loves us. <laughs> dude, dude the- yeah, yeah. Once we like ethicalize everything all like meat farming tuna is gonna be my gonna be my main bitch is the thing that's yeah that's the thing is that like yeah we 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 have to contend with our own personal feelings and demons about the about the cursed the cursed the cursed food i'm just like we just need i'm like constantly about the meat industry i'm like get your fucking act together because i like your product you know, right? I just don't like you. <laughs> I just don't like you, and I don't like how you like manufacture your just, product. Just, like, but I will eat a... it, and I will pay you good money for it. Two, two meat from Blair. Get your fucking shit together. I want it. I want it in my body. <laughs> Especially seafood. Uh, yeah, continue though. A question from Ghost Pussy Gussy at yes. Orba Dia Aaron. Sure. Yes. Which character in this movie is most likely to be the Q of QAnon fame? I mean, it's got to be David Carradine, right? No, I would say Moriarty or um, uh, <laughs> Michael Flynn, Moriarty. Rather, rather, yeah, yeah. He seems to be more the er QAnon follower. To me. Yeah, you know what? This guy, this guy, that guy does really give off on um, uh, what the fuck's his name? The the piece of shit who is probably QAnon. The oh, uh, um, Ron Watkins. Yeah, Ron Watkins, thank you. <laughs> I don't know, know if he gives you Ron, Ron Watkins, Watkins vibes, so I do get what you mean. Um Like but... like not like strong ones, but like I, I, I felt like I felt some mild emanations. No, no, he seems like a like a second tier, you know, guy. Um, yeah. someone who's Ron like... Wat- Ron Watkins' fail son. <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, answer my answer is the Alan Resnick looks a lot look alike. Oh my god, that's a great I think that guy. I think that guy's the Zodiac killer. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you heard it here first. We we a crack team of three podcasters have announced the real Zodiac killer. Oh my god, oh, man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> more questions. Yeah, last one from uh, Nick Vern, story artist at uh, Nick at Nick R. Vern. Would you like your own cue? And my answer to this question is: in the hit MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, now playable up to level sixty with the <laughs> Heavensward expansion free included. Uh, okay, good in, girl. In the Heavensward, exp- in the heavens, <laughs> the heavens, in the Heavensward expansion. Uh huh. Um, there is a point at which you fight. A big fucking dragon. Uh-huh. And um after you beat this dragon, it becomes a 
it. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot remember why it happens because I did not. If I'm being honest, I did not pay that close attention to the story of Final Fantasy XIV: A Realm Reborn with story and with the uh, Heaven's Word expansion free up to level sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the big scary dragon that you beat uh, turns into a little guy mm-hmm. who just like pops up in cutscenes from time to time and can only be like seen and heard by the player character, much like Snowy from Tintin. Sure. Um, and he just turns from a huge hulking dragon into a little guy that follows you around, and also you can equip it to your character so you can have a little uh, a little Midgard summer following you around. So I think that is my own personal QAnon that I would... <laughs> God, that was com- I swear to God, that was completely What is the answer that you provided? <laughs> yes, my the answer that I provided is I want a little Q to follow me around. Okay. Like that. Sure. I... I guess I'll second it. Uh, John? <laughs> this is really this is a really great question. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, Nick Vernon, for the question. I I gotta say, so th- there's a couple of cues who I think would be really great allies of mine. Sure. So 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 here's I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the top three um, Q allies. Number sure. one is gonna be Schoolboy Q. Sure. Yeah. Think think they're I think they're pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Q from Star Trek. Oh my now, god. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Star Trek fan, but I think right. he's all powerful. I think, so, I think you're correct on that, yes. So uh so cool with that. And and then number three is gonna be gotta be Quetzalcoatl. So yeah. I would I would accept any three of the any of those three as my companion. Yeah through the yeah. through the wastes of the Mojave Desert. Solid um, answers. Solid answers. Solid answers. Oh, God, yeah. Especially through the Mojave. You want a dragon on your side if you're going to go through that. <laughs> absolutely. You got to ride a bitch. <laughs> oh, man. I wish. That would make <laughs> that would make walking from place to place so much fa- uh, more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have a, a cold-blooded animal on your, on your side. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's it for questions. So we've got recommendations now. Uh, do y'all got y'all got y'all got something lined up? Let's start with uh, you, John. Yeah, you you mentioned this earlier. Sure, sure. So the movie I want to rec- so the thing I want to recommend is a movie. It's called VHS ninety four. Mm. Um. So oh yeah, is that out? It is out. It is. It mm. is on. It is on oh. the. Uh, I I believe it's on Shutter right now. Um. So Sarah. for all of you who have a Shutter, <laughs> a subscription, go for it. I I'm gonna put my foot down. I'm gonna no no. I'm gonna put my foot down and my hands to God. Yeah. I did not like VHS one or two. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because they did not have a completely universal VHS, um um lineup. Like there was mm. some Skype shit in there, and there was some. Mm-hmm. It was. It was just. You know, I'm a VH. I'm an. I'm a VHS lover. Like I be people, a purist. Absolutely. People have. People have have accused me of being a VCR fanatic, and I mm. to to those allegations, I say nothing because you're not my dad. <laughs> but my point is, is that seeing VHS ninety four on Shutter was like, oh whatever. I guess I'll watch it. Yeah. The over the the. The 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 um in between segments between the the segments aren't great, but I mm-hmm. will say that there are two segments in particular in VHS ninety four that are really fucking good, mm-hmm. um, and I really 
really and everything else is everything else is like if not as good as those two segments then um pretty darn good just in general Mm -hmm. so if you're a vhs purist as i am if you love analog horror which is a really big thing on youtube right now if you want that aesthetic in your life Mm -hmm. do seek out vhs 94 Mm -hmm. and hail rotma oh yeah man oh yeah that's awesome. Like, Sarah, we have to watch that movie together. I don't even We do. I mean, we also, we also do. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I still also have to see VHS 2, just to complete the set. Yeah. Um, for myself, I suppose, I guess, you know, I guess I'm recommend. I don't know if y'all remember long ago when um, Sarah recommended to me on this podcast, uh, the QAnon Anonymous podcast, she also said, I've also heard about Trina, but I can't bet for them. I can bet for them now. And that's what I'm going to recommend this week. <laughs> it's a great... The, God, the latest episode... The, the latest episode I was listening to on my drive home from work, it's so fucking upsetting. Of which yeah. one? Of which one? True or Q? Of QAnon Anonymous. Oh, gotcha. I'm going to recommend True Anon, though. Uh, oh, apologies. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I will say... I don't know if it's their latest latest, but one of their latest is about the Bush family. Not as in the Bush, our former president, but as in the Bush Anheuser oh yes it's oh. it's almost succession in that story like so, succession-esque so you've heard q and anonymous right blair i have i have yes. so so is true anon now now are they doing the same thing that q and anonymous has done where they like cover tangentially related subjects to just weird political stuff in a way yes stuff? they're okay. they're more they're more deep state focused and in, in a cool. sort of like uh, uh, Peter Dell Scott definition of the deep state. Sure, 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 sure. Right. Um, I... So, so it is very much um, an exploration of power and 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 money, um, by way of Jeffrey Epstein. So they do talk about the stock market and 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 which I think is like I think a lot of leftists have have that as a sort of blind spot for them. How like Wall Street operates for that for yeah. like. And I think it's really, really important to understand how, like, you might disagree with how global economics work, but you do have to actually understand how it works. Well, where you know? else? Where, 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 where better place to throw the wrench? Am I right? Right, right. Like, like it, because it, it, the thing is, that, like, this is what determines your life. So you might as well understand how it works, even though it feels trite and uh, needlessly difficult. It is on purpose dif- difficult, but uh, I. It it took me like it took me a lot to get into True or Not because uh, I found them to be deeply cynical, mm. but uh, I think it's only cynical when you still have like liberalist baggage <laughs> and mm. fucking who among us, you know? We all right, you know? Um, we live in that culture, and they're sort of like the thing about liberalism is that they it provides a comfort for us in our lives, you know. I, I mean, you um, say you mean I mean you say who among us, but like I'm more of like a person on the in the center. I'm not really here or there. I'm I'm more right. of like a I'm on neutral ground. Right. He he said sliding off the Titanic's deck. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 uh, so for me it was like oh you're being you're you guys are so nihilistic. But when I was like, oh, no, you're not. You're just realistic. Because I think getting to that black-filled point is, like, really necessary in order to move. It cannot be seen as terminus. Like, black-fill is not terminus. Black-fill is the next step to, like, greater understanding of the world. But 
if if you want to take that pill in order to move in order to move forward right right like we're not just being like oh the world is fucked and we're fucked forever that's well, not yeah, the point right get get to get to the uh, be on the precipice of doom do not enter yes. it yes but we need to understand the doom in order to have imagination conceptualize in order for our imagination to conceptualize a world beyond it yes um, exactly and that it uh, for for myself at the very least true and on has been the way I've been able to connect, con- really conceptualize that doom because it really does. It. My only, my main critique is that it's ma- it's more conspiratorial than I am, um, but I don't think that cons- as so long as you're willing to take the conspiracism with a grain of salt, I think the shape of it does point to something correct. Um, I think I would also. I think I would also. Um, it, it- <laughs> I would also issue a slight warning, I guess, that Truanon has waded into some, like, like l- transphobic from the left waters in recent memory, um, Ex- that I, I... Can you... What's get, that? I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. Right, of course. But. So, the, 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 thing that, the thing that most recently sticks out in my mind is, um, there was a New York Times article about, uh, a trans woman who, like, who, who had, like, um, like made made ends meet as a young person by doing sex work right and the true and on the true and on on their twitter like this is not on braces twitter this was on the true and on pod twitter mm. um uh they like quote they like snipped a like as dan like they basically i think coolsville sucks the article mm. and said quote if you are an adult if you are a child and an adult quote teaches you how to support yourself through sex and warns you that you like just some like trans women are grooming children into sex work type shit yeah yeah um, so so that is the other thing i will give they and to agree that i'm like understanding it do you know what i mean um when when your purview is sexual misconduct of the upper class and additionally yes. to that i mean let's talk about nambla you know um mm. you know there's plenty of underclass people who have tried to utilize um uh class for sure in order for their <laughs> ill means which is not what i'm saying this is the case but if you're hypersensitive to that it might be your, right which right, is not to sure. justify that right uh, of course of course i know i know i just also want to like throw out a right right like so, a, so i would say it is if it's, it's a thing that you fucking hate immediately you're fucking allowed to fucking hate immediately <laughs> yeah there's also also um this one's not like a huge problematic one but just more of a funny one uh last year there was like a bit of a dust up for one of them linking an article talking about uh trans people getting medical intervention being capitalist um <laughs> which I mean, Fucking sure it oops. is, but what isn't? <laughs> right. right? It's like we live in a society. It's almost like we all live in a country called capitalism. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I did this get, I get, another podcast would allow me to go into deeper detail about this, yeah. but I will not do it here because we've already gone long. Sarah, my dear. Um, my recommendation this week is going to be something that's lightly illegal, but uh, <laughs> fuck it, Nintendo isn't your dad. Sure. Um, hack your... Hack your fucking 3DS. Do you know what you need Girl. to hack your 3DS? Do you know what you need to hack your 3DS these days to play every single fucking, at, like, you can, like, I have set this up that I can play pretty much everything in the Nintendo catalog from, like, NES, SNES, and then all of their handhelds up to present. Piracy. Like, do you know what it took me? 
you do you know what it took me? It took mm. me an SD card. It took me a micro SD card that, I, that would put that would go inside my 3ds. It took me a micro SD card adapter so I could plug it into my laptop. And it took me a computer that had a an SD card slot. And it took me going to the website 3ds.hacks.guide. And now instead of paying two instead of paying two hundred fucking dollars for a Nintendo DS copy of Pokemon Soul Silver, I got that shit for free ninety nine. Nintendo, let this be a lesson. I would have given you like twenty dollars to buy that shit on the store, but mm-hmm. instead I'm going to now get every single game you've ever put out for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah, can I ask you a favor? Could I yeah. Could I ask you to do a little write-up of those steps in order for me to link to it in the show description? Uh, uh, the 3D, 3ds.hacks.guide has an extremely meticulous guide on how to do every single step of the way. Literally... Then all I'd ask is for you to send me that link. Yes, then absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Liter- and literally, this is I'm saying this truthfully. If you intend on doing this and you need help troubleshooting, I cannot promise that I will have an answer for you, but I will absolutely answer a DM or something that you have for me if you want to know how to do this. Yeah, is this still true? Just- is, it, is, this still, is this still true, Sarah, that Pokemon is the highest grossing media property in the world? Um, I don't think it... What what I think it's Grand Theft Auto actually Grand Theft Auto Five I think is like pushed it over Pokemon. Okay, well either way, there's no reason for you for anybody out there to not have to ex- not get to experience the joys of games that are well uh, that are almost as old as this movie that we just watched. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it, it is Pokemon. It is Pokemon. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. So there, there's no reason why we should have to why why we should have to pay exorbitant amounts of money to access games that are almost as old as this that movie that we just fucking watched. Yeah. 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 Nintendo um, is not your dad. Steal from Nintendo. Yeah. Not also not your uncle. We will have links in the show description for all of that. Yeah. Um. But, I, I'm just I'm just not looking at this list of most profitable. I'm sorry. I know we're going super long, no, but I'm fine. just looking at this list of most profitable media enterprises, and I'm just like, there's some up here that I'm like, sure, Yu-Gi-Oh, that makes sense. Peanuts, uh, Lord Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings, sure, 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 sure. Um, seeing like, I I don't know, seeing like Fist of the North Star <laughs> in here next to like SpongeBob SquarePants, like I know that's just like different markets. Like I'm sure I would be saying like yeah, I, I'm sure I'd be saying the exact opposite if I if I was like a Japanese person and sure. was like what the f-? and I would just be like yeah. what the fuck is SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> doing up here? <laughs> sure, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's just it's just surreal to see something. Cars, Cars is up there. Cars, one of the most profitable media franchises of all time. More pop, more profitable than Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings. Crazy. And just as confusing, jo- actually. It's truly. John, my dear, do you have anything you would like to plug for us this evening? Yeah, you can find me online, unfortunately. Sure. So mm. uh, I'm on to uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm at FlourishCaster underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, I host a weekly radio show called The Sound of Shadows, where I play music that is in the uh, dark ambient metal noise space genre mm. um very cool i and 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 uh and this week i'm also featuring a series of short stories written by another podcaster uh named Sora narnia who very is really cool. good short story writer and who i've been uh who's been gracious enough to lend me um some recordings of his stories for me to play on the air you can find that, that at uh out there's a pin tweet on my twitter that you can check for that and, and we'll have uh, it linked in the show description as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
and yeah, I'm I'm a regular guest on on HKIP, and hopefully we'll have an episode out soon. Hopefully mm. by the end of the year. Uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but yeah, no podcast of my own. You'll just have to find me on the next episode. Yes, of Fear when, when <laughs> we love having you when. Well. <laughs> when sixty four, when when sixty four, when Nintendo sixty four mile comes out, we'll, we'll we'll update the show links here. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or 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 the uh, or the uh, the M and M podcast I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, sixty four and N- Nintendo sixty four mile. Yeah. Oh yes. fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very easy to find online. You can just find me at Blair Kitch on Twitter. This is where the place you're hearing me right now is my main media property. Uh, I do graphic design work. I did it for this uh, this season of uh, Fear Baiting. Um, if you're impressed by it, you can hit me up. My DMs are open at Blair Kitch on Twitter. Sarah. You should be, and you should be impressed by it. Oh, sweet. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm on Twitter at SunHatGenya. S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. This podcast is at Fear Baiting on Twitter. You can also support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash fearbaiting. One buck a month, basically a tip jar. If we happen to get the episode up early, though, you will get access to it before everyone else. Um, five bucks a month. Uh, your name right on the podcast and a message right on the show, 10 bucks a month, all that, and you get to make us watch a movie. So thank you very much to Luna Wolf, Paul Moran, and Paul Bechtel. We love you all so much. Thank you to Noisebase.xyz for being the podcast network that this and so many other great shows are under. Thank you to Matt GameCube for helping do that. Um, yeah, I'm also on Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, like John said. Um, the Wander Yurks, which I do with Blair and Seda, uh, is going to, we're, we're going to finish it at some point, at some I promise. Point. Yeah, look, yes. the world is we, crazy, and we're all doing horribly. So <laughs> we've just we've we've just been fucking vibing. Yeah. Um. Uh, special grade snacks movies coming out in a month mm. or two months, two months. So fucking get excited. I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would really like there. It. To, I would really like for that movie to be showing in a theater that is practicing extremely strict social distancing stuff and checking vaccine cards at the door. Mm. Um, I would like to have a safe theater going experience so I can see Yuta Kotsu's big movie in, on the that. big screen. Yeah. yeah, I'm crossing my fucking fingers that, like, it's, what, I, I, <laughs> I feel like there's a very high chance that it just does not even come to, like, a theater near me, so, <laughs> but, you know what, we'll fucking see. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe I'll just be watching this shit off of the camera. Um, I think... Oh, oh, uh, uh, intro, outro music made by, uh, uh, people you meet outside of bars. Check out their music. Head to gaygothvibes.online for more. Mm-hmm. I think that's everything. So until next time, I'm Sarah. I have been Blair. And with us, we have... John. Hi, John. Uh, and as you know, um, uh, 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 uh hold on. How do you cue the, the... And remember... Yes, yes, that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can put a fucked up guy anywhere. Fucking broke. Good night, everyone. Cheers. 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 (laughs) Cheers.